Yes, number 149. My opinion we're still going strong. Who would have thought? Not us. <laughs> you had mentioned before, Kerry, like we got to figure out what's happening for number 150. You know, big milestone here. Here we are. Yeah, the 100, we did a little extravaganza. We gave away a lot of stuff. I don't know. Time for more mean tweets. Oh. Fan favorites. Uh, I'll be right back because as we started this, my computer turned to a piece of crap. So be right back. Otherwise, Perfect. I'm going to be looking left the entire time and no one's going to like that. See you later again, Dexter. <laughs> Common occurrence. Usually Great start. Disappears right before the podcast starts. Tim's Always. at work. Tim's at work. Putting in a hard shift today, bud. You know what? Somebody has to work, right? All you guys who don't think I work, I'm pretending right now. Yeah, no. My computer's on the fritz. I feel absolutely useless without it. Um, so somebody has to see my ugly face here, I guess. So, um, yeah, we had a quite the the thing happen about 15 minutes ago. I don't think we want to really talk about it at work. But um, it, was, it was it was pretty shitty. Yeah, it was pretty shitty. <laughs> there should be some like you know, toilet reading material about all the shitty things that happened at the lanes for people to work there. Hey. Oh geez, yeah. There's some terrible stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's part of the job. Yeah. But uh, yeah, how about Team Canada today, guys? Uh, they played good, man. They played good. I mean, I know you want to get in here, Tim, right away and just rip on them and rip on all. No, no. Rip you away. Do you know what? They, should have heard they, Tim before we started. <laughs> it was just <laughs> taking its town. Yeah. No, you know what? You look at it. I'm, I mean, I follow only soccer a little bit, but you know they're playing the second best cu country in the world. Um, I think if you read the, what the analysts wrote afterwards, they were pretty proud of what Canada did. Um, not just from Canadian, but across. They held their own. Um, you know, Afonso Davies, it's a 50-50 it's a chance, really. You're diving left or diving right for a goal kick, and unfortunately you got the wrong one. But uh, I think, yeah, it, the equivalent of Alfonso Davies trying to score on uh, Belgium's goalkeeper would be like, Tim, you trying to score a penalty shot on me. Yeah. So anytime you want, but let's set up a goal net. Let's have you go take a penalty shot. And I'll be on in the pipes and standing there, big, tall, like this, and taunting yeah. and intimidating you. And there's a there's a real better chance at fifty fifty that I'm going to save it than you're than you are going to score. Oh man, you, want, you haven't. You want to take right. that bet? You want to take that bet? Charles Hans already bet me fifty bucks, and he ran away ran away last Sunday at bowling. So where's well, Charles? Well, he's an average pro, right? Oh, Contour is just, he's hes unbelievably wide and just, you can see him standing there. I mean, just like Alfonso didn't know what? where to go or what to do. So I, I think I can get Daryl on this. That's easy. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Because, you, you know, 20 years ago, you are a little bit more agile. Now it's... <laughs> I'll work out for it because we're not going to do it in the summer, in the wintertime because there's nowhere we're going to go. So this oh, will be, be an indoor facility somewhere, right? Well, there's right. definitely indoor. We're going to book out an entire indoor facility for this one bet. Just, 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 yeah, yeah, just run, run in. Sorry, guys, middle of the game. I don't, I don't even think that you could be able to kick the soccer ball and get it to the net, Tim. When I was younger, I was a good soccer player. Not anymore, obviously. But I'm just. You're going to do it in your flip flops? Are you? Yeah. Are you going to wear flip flops though? Or are you going to wear golf? Wear your soccer shoes? What are you going to wear? That's the big question. Oh. You know, I I'd probably and just do bare feet to rub it in. After the ball. No, this is perfect. As a penalty kick, I don't have to run afterwards. I just have to run to the ball, 
kick it in the net. You're going to stumble on yourself, and you're going to trip mm-hmm. and fall mm-hmm. before you even hit the ball. And it will be the easiest 50 bucks that I've ever made in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Can, do you think Five Pin Universe can slot a little halftime show at a soccer game, maybe a local league indoor facility? Sure, maybe sure. And my, 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 my 12-year-old daughter's uh, soccer yeah. game will get permission for Tim to come on the field and do a penalty shot against Daryl. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, you know, <laughs> for sure. This will happen. In, in, happen. Indoor this nets happen. Are, are smaller than outdoor nets. I do want to say that. They are. So what does that mean for you? So Tim wants like one and a half to one or something. Maybe? I want I want outdoor. I want outdoor. I don't want indoor. Oh, I want outdoor. No. Yeah. Well, boring. I guess you get you gotta wait six months. <laughs> no, we'll do it in the winter. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> we'll go. We probably could do, do it right now. It's nice out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Even in practice time, you know when they're when they're practicing, right at the end of a practice or during a practice, we'll go run on the field and just go do it like as if you're going streaking. Right, you're just going to open up the gate. You're going to run on the field, and we're going to run. I'm going to go jump in the goal, and you'll come and try to shoot. Yeah, I get deep. Yeah, but it's just easy. just for clarification, you guys aren't streaking. Yeah, that's right, Rob. Yes, <laughs> totally tearing both ACLs for sure. Oh man, I'm just thinking about it right now. I'm I'm pumped. It was an unreal game, though. I mean, let's be honest. For Canada to pull out one nothing, I mean, obviously, getting a tie, getting a win would have been massive. But just for them to be able to in the mix against, they dominated the game. They had way more opportunities, just not enough shots on goal. I like their chances now against Croatia and Morocco. I mean, we weren't necessarily going to beat Belgium in the beginning. So let's be honest, it's probably meeting expectations for many. But to hold our own, that gives them the confidence now going into the next games that they could surprise them and they could they could make it through. It's good that Croatia and Morocco only got a tie, so against each other, right? That actually evens them out a bit. Yeah, you, you kind of want Belgium to beat both those out one us, which likely they will. So they'll go three and zero in the in the in the pool, right? Is it top half moves on? Top the, two yeah, move for on. The uninitiated World Cup fans. Yeah. But, I mean, at this point, I don't think anybody should be making any predictions. There have been a lot of upsets. Argentina really, lost 2 really, nothing. Germany, you know. Germany like, lost to Japan, right? Yeah. yeah. I wonder how Weber feels. That's two for two, eh? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Football. <laughs> eh? Yeah. Hi, Jeff. It's good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> you know he you know the guy's still sour right it is what it is but he's still he's sour man team dexter now no, no, I'm, I'm not losing any sleep <laughs> <laughs> on cue, on cue. Yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you we could sell shirts okay i i will sell my soul to the devil okay how many of you guys want to would buy team dexter shirts for the sake of this rivalry. And I how many guys out there would buy Team Tim shirts? I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even caring about that. I just want oh. us to sell some money and make some money off these guys. If you had to choose, if you're saying like if you put a bullet to our heads and we had to choose Team Dexter or Team Tim, what would you choose? Is that what, is that what the question is? Yeah. <laughs> and by way of... Yeah, <laughs> by way of... Of... Uh, of buying a T-shirt is what you're saying, hey? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I why not? <laughs> <laughs> Our team, not Tim, asked you. Yeah. 
Team Dexter. Hey, whatever. Haters gonna hate. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Put guys in the chat here. Put your pre-order in. We'll get it all sorted out. <laughs> Average pros. Guys. Average pros are. They're coming up with a third shirt design. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I I have a lot of extra shirts here that are left behind that people bought and just discarded. So it's. <laughs> Oh, for the average pros, also yeah. they just they just donated the money and then didn't keep the shirt, so yeah, you could they could double sell it. Well, I'm not, I'm using it as a as a rag here now. That's all they're <laughs> worth. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Hey, it was Mark Doss's birthday, MC Doss. It was. It was. It was Kay, Mark Doss's birthday. So, is, is it? It was, it was mind yesterday too, right? Yeah, it was mind blowing. I don't understand. It was a Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it was Taco Tuesday. <laughs> He's Mexican. He doesn't go taco. He goes Japanese. I don't understand a single thing. Did he go for Mind sushi? He went for Japanese village. I don't understand. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I messaged him. He said, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, this podcast is getting a little... Uh... Well, we do. Ha we are excited about our podcast and a guest, and, and we do know who's coming on. But we're yeah. just—he's just setting up and doing some timelines. So we've got a little bit longer of a banter tonight for all of our fans. Yeah. I know they're enjoying this so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, maybe maybe something positive here. Okay, so last weekend, um, I can't find the stats. The stats on Bowl Alberta is the wrong link, but. Uh, they had the youth championship singles out here in Alberta. I know that. I know BC was last week. I'm uncertain when the other provinces are, so I do ap apologize, but I don't think they're doing the accelerated singles. Um, Marcello and Michaela. Marcello and Michaela both won the seniors, and I guess it came down to the 10th frame each. Uh, uh, yeah, Michaela Mar beat Madison by 10. 10, and or Natasha by 17, and she goes five pitches, spares, throws a strike to win. And then Marcello beats wins in ten as well, so that was pretty clutch That's for both awesome. of them. Uh, and then uh, JD Hislop came in uh, first. He shot a two eighty average as a junior down in Chinook, so he won by a whole bunch there. Um, so yeah, they were all going to nationals. It was a huge attendance. I think they had about a hundred, hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy kids. Like nice, absolutely incredible. Which is and Lucas McDonald so won for bantams the, too, right? We've seen him out there playing. Yeah. Lucas practices a lot. Uh, Damien's son does it like a Belmonte two-hand thing, and he puts a lot of time and effort in, right? So good for those guys. Who won the junior girls and junior and bantam girls? Do you know that, Tim? Mm, honestly, the, I, I can't really find the stats. Um, okay. I, can, I got the seniors. I, oh, actually, hold up. Maybe. Hold up. I saw like, Jay, like Chris Hislop was uh, screenshotting the senior boys is the only one that I really saw. I didn't really see but the junior boys. I think he might have posted one of the oh. other ones at one point. I can't so, remember. So, uh, Natalia Johnson won from Paradise for the junior girls. She averaged uh, just over 200, it looks like. And yeah, I'm just trying to go through this here. And I don't have the I don't have the the Bantam one, unfortunately. Bantam boys, so Bantam girls. Sorry. Yeah. So, question on um, on Lucas uh, with the two-handed. Is that something that he'll be able to do? long term do you think like have you guys ever thought about trying to do that for the road like, i mean he's obviously been doing it so young that you could continue to do that through a career is there obviously it's legal and you're allowed to do it but do you see as an adult and as a you know a senior ybc or what point in time is that something that might need to change you know what i'm well, there was a there was a lady that played that way 
Um, in Newfoundland, right? She went to the Nationals a few times, right? Out yeah. of Newfoundland? Yeah. Yes. That's correct. Who was that? Yes, there was. Uh, honestly, if if he's that good at it, it's just like anything else, right? You just If you perfect it, why change it? Yeah, there, there may not be a point. I mean, it's no different like us looking at the Pro League and seeing all these people that bowl, you know, right hand, right foot, or left hand, left foot. Um it's just it's just like anything else. As long as you can perfect it, it doesn't matter. And it's obviously he's getting to the point where he has done that. So it's just some it 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 could be like ten pin. Maybe maybe this is going to be something that will revolutionize the game. Who knows? The RPMs on that and like the the spin rate must be much higher than you know. Or at some point, maybe not now because he's only you know eight ten years old. But you know, overall, that the spin rate on that must be really high, isn't it? Yeah. And it'll be at a different angle too, right? Hmm. Yeah, I, so I don't. You, I don't. You don't always want to be a naysayer because obviously ten pin has revolutionized that, mm-hmm. that side of it. So I just there's a lot of moving parts, and if it if it can be simplified, obviously there's got to be an advantage to it. There's got to be more power. There's got to be a lot of stuff. But the game has with such a small bowling ball. Oh, Caroline yeah. part. There and, you go. Thank you. And the, I, I mean, yeah, exactly. Who knows? It, everyone's different. It might it might work out great for him. It might it might change some things for people. But I mean, you you look at you look at Weber. You know, Weber when he starts like blowing through that right pocket, it's because he actually overcranks the ball and has too much rotation. And so, I mean, r- rotation. It's funny how like the angle of the rotation makes such a big difference too. You know. Um, I find that uh, me personally, I get way more crackers when it's kind of like almost at like a, f- mm, I don't know, what angle do you want to call like that? 30 degrees uh, or something. Yeah, like, like a, yeah, exactly. As opposed to having it like the rate spinning on its axis this way or right over end, uh, over end, you kind of want something in between. It's interesting. Shauna, I have a question. Or does is this, she say is this the classroom, Shauna? Uh... <laughs> yeah, ask, ask away. No, I, I think no, she's, she's talking, talking about, about her RPMs. Her yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, there was, um, I was talking to Megan uh, Galicano and her boyfriend, Noah. He does this uh, for baseball with the spin and the technology and the stuff like that. And I'm just, you know, we've talked about it before, guys, intrigued about having some stats and some analytics about spins and rotation and angles and all that stuff but actually from 3d virtual like modeling or you know some lasers and get get all the equipment out there to test it it'd be just fascinating to see where we're at Trackman. yeah exactly there's the equipment is out there it's just how do you utilize it for five pin right how do you adjust it in order to, to get that stuff there for a long time 10 pin you should just put um I believe it was a small line or it might have been a dot and then they used um, slow motion cameras just to count the revolutions and then progression or whatever but now they got laser guided that can check revolutions and everything like they it's this technology is already out there yeah we got to just get some testing done in five minutes that's cool thanks for that comment damien yeah it's awesome eight first year yeah well that's changing the game good to see yeah, obviously Damien needs a little bit of um, tutelage from his own son there, right? Because I, I think in a couple of years he's going to be coming up and beating Damien and the rest of us. <laughs> the amount of time that guy throws and all that other stuff, I think it's pretty cool. 
I mean, I mean, Tim, like you said, though, there was a hundred and some people that bowled at the accelerated singles here. I mean, that's the sport alive and well here competitively in, in Alberta region and people wanting to play on the single circuit. And if they're not making it, obviously they're going back to their home centers to now be on the combo teams or whatever the teams are they're forming, right? Correct, yeah. They go, they go back and they start qualifying at beginning of next week or December. Yeah, December 1st will be the start of the qualifying for it, so. Yeah, we'll see how that goes, and they have a few weeks, and back to the, the normal stuff. So, um, do we want to go over why everybody came to the podcast? Is some 5PL information, or...? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, so, we'll start with the card division. Um, we're past week six here. And uh, <clears throat> Tim, Tim wanted a percentage of wins, or... Or something up there, and I asked him what sport does that. Um, <laughs> he's he's the one that designed the schedule, so he's gonna have to live live with the repercussions. Uh, so uh, right now we have the Heartland Kingpins sitting in first. They've played six matches already, though they're halfway over halfway through their season. Same with the Northern Knockouts. Um, two and a half points their, apart. Oh, they're on there twice. Well, that's they're nice on there twice. Well, who cares about the Bombers, right? That's the Bombers on their third. <laughs> oh, Steven. <laughs> What? Steven! I'm going to be having a little word with him. That's awesome. Uh. <laughs> anyways, um, super, super, oh yeah, here's baseball. There's one. Um, but anyways, super uh, impressed with the knockouts. They, they started off 0-2 and they came back and been four straight. Um, yeah. They look pretty good. And they had a hell of a match against you guys there, Daryl. They did have an awesome match against us. You know, um, we were expecting a good match after the way that they played the week before. So we weren't taking anybody lightly and knew that we would have to play. And we just keep pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing. But so did they. They stayed with us or we stayed with them either way you look at it. And uh, it came down, honestly, to the 10th frame. And if you look at our 10th frame versus their 10th frame, they, they won it. You know, we had a little bit of a lead and we had an opportunity to separate some space with some, you know, on the doubles. And I punched in 11 or and Heidi punched in, in 10. And they, they capitalized. They threw, you know, 30 counts, 45 counts uh, in the 10th. So they came back and earned it. So kudos to them. No problem there. Mm-hmm. It's good to see. I mean, even on the other side, you know, the, um, the next gen, they lost one of their matches too. So it's, uh, you know, Rock and Roller is playing quite well over there. Rock and Rollers, Motor City Mayhem. Uh, yeah, Next Gen struggled so far, right? Like, to our expectations. They're uh, still right. very so, good. No, not trying to, like, pick on anybody, but, you know, some good surprises out there. I mean, I, you know, honestly, the Northern Knockouts, to me, I, I knew that eventually, like, they're, they're going to figure it out. They're, they're, they're good players. They just need to be around it more, and you're starting to see them come into their own, and they're playing well, and it's absolutely awesome to see. I think the biggest surprise on the other way right now for me is the Lumberjacks. Mm-hmm. Not wasn't wasn't expected them to be ten and a half, twenty one and a half to start after four. Because um, personally, in, in my head, they're, they're we had hyped it, we had hyped them top, up quite a bit. No, I yeah, I the, think the, they're the one of the best teams. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. the league, definitely top two in their in their division. So um, yeah. top five, top they they're they're a team that should be making the playoffs. That's but new format, like. new new system, new league that not everybody's going to come out as way that they should, and maybe it just sort of takes a few games to get into the role. Um, but it's there's a lot of teams out there that are good. 
you know, mm-hmm. that are that are oh. playing and, and earning it. So, I mean, that's what you want. You don't want, you know, teams to get blown out and teams to, you know, run away with it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that the only thing I actually know that was expected on that sheet is where average pros is. I mean, they're just... They're would you just, just, would, uh, would you just leave them alone? So like, you're, you're just so pissed <laughs> off about their, like, marketing schemes that you're just like... No, I don't... You're, no, you're just no, we... Had, Henry, hey, Henry and I had talked about this. One, you know what? We've got to have a rivalry. Somebody has to hate somebody. Somebody has to like someone. Everybody hates the Dream Crushers already as it is. Might as well be us. You know it what? is what it is. How come you, for all this time, you're the guy that's always like, oh, oh, no, I think this is the greatest team ever. This is the greatest team ever because you don't want to put jinxes on yourself. And then you're just throwing the rest of the team out of the bus right now. So how about you just shove it? You don't jinx the team when. Oh man, that sounds so <laughs> mute. much better. Mute, oh. mute. You, you don't, you don't, so you don't jinx the team. You don't jinx the team if you're playing on the bench. Okay? Hey, your coach had like a 950 last week, so maybe he can yeah, come in and play instead of Tim. Yeah, same uh, height. Rock and Rollers played really well there. They shot a 1500. Looked like an easy, easy. 1500. Yeah, so we've been working on a little bit of stats. There's a couple guys that are out there that are helping with some big stats packages and, and compiling. And we want to get some, you know, top scores of the year or top averages of the year and, you know, top games of the year. So that's coming. I know we're a little bit behind a little bit on that, but uh, we've been working hard and trying to get everything going. And it's been running well, but now it's time for stats. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll get that going for everybody right soon. So, Darcy... <laughs> so- <laughs> wow. That didn't help him. <laughs> wow. Uh, D- Darcy, you're absolutely right on this. Um, and that's why I'm glad you guys joined the league because it's an opportunity for you guys to showcase yourselves against top quality players. And you guys are doing exactly what I expected it to be. You just have to be around this stuff and, and do it more often to gain that confidence and, and, and succeed. So um, it's nice to see you guys showing up to the cash tournament stuff too because it's starting to pay dividends i just had this little chat with uh on the uh hypertension uh facebook page to talk about inner cities asking where we could put in our shirt bowl team and i know there's been some chat back and forth over the last couple of years about how they didn't want a shirt bowl team because you know they were afraid that we would stack a team and go in and nobody would have any fun and like hey that's we know better we we, we know how to have fun. Like we can, we can go to have a competition and, and just have some fun too. But two, you guys need to play against like you know Sherwood Bowl teams and Bonnie Dude teams and those guys because you can compete against them and you can't be like Timmy Sharp and have a defeatist attitude and say you can't play because you guys already win things. That's my rant. You even threw a pen there too, but I did. I did. <laughs> you, you, you remind me of Stephen A. Smith right now. Yeah, um, but I, I do think it's important that we get get to play the um, the northern cities. I think it'd be good for us, not for us, but like our teams. I think you can think about like the Charleses, the Henrys, the Marks, all those kind of guys. They could put a team together. It'd be perfect for that. I'm, I'm gonna mute you again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, the guest of honor, the the man of the show, what we're all here for. Um, so without further ado, um, from the Dakota Dynamite himself. Scotty Barber. Gentlemen, 
Hey, Scotty. What's going on? Show, man? How's it going? Good, good. Good. Any chirp about the Pro League shout-out? I mean, I know the Dynamite here. You guys have played a game. You've, you, you've been in the mix. Well, it was a tough first day. I ain't going to lie. We uh, had a little bit of a struggle, but it was good. It was nice to start. You know, the whole concept was kind of foreign to all of us, obviously, being our first time in it. And so the first kind of game, it was kind of weird because it was quiet and some of the other things that we were like okay well we got to figure out a way to make that like adjustment so we kind of made a little bit more noise maybe had a little bit more fun in the second match it sure made a difference in how we played so mm-hmm. just a little adjustment we just pulled off to the side and said okay like that was weird just because it's not what we're used to so yeah. obviously i know as as we got into the second game it was just kind of like didn't phase anybody but it was fun i, I i'm looking forward it's too long we have such a break between our next matches that it's we're all just eager to let's go again you know what i mean so yeah yeah you're kind of like the dream crushers you have like a four-month layoff or something or yeah it's a it's a it's a long stretch but you know i'll be honest i i, I uh i tasted a rough fate the other day so i'm looking forward to have a little bit of break so i can get back into it so i uh popped my hip out of place Oh, last, last Thursday, which I didn't realize until Friday when I went to the chiropractor and he told me my hip was out of place and put it back in. So, uh, needless to say, I had to miss last Thursday and, and I'm looking forward to get back, but I just yeah. don't think it'll be this Thursday. So, um, that being said, I, I, am, I, I love your guys' concept. I was super excited that we got a group in, Chad, all of our whole group, that it's nice to play with such a wonderful group of guys and girls, you know, from our city that, you know, and especially these guys are and girls are both people we grew up with, so I'm loving it, loving it. Um, before we jump into your kind of your segment and the reason we have you on the show, all that stuff. Um, obviously, the Manitoba Open's coming in a week and a half. Uh, are you going to be ready for that? I am sure hoping. I'm doing physio. I see my chiropractor each time. I'm, I'm that's the plan. I'm actually I haven't played since the Manitoba Open in the cash tournament, so I'm. Registered, going to go in it. Taryn, my son's going to be trying to play it as well. He's coming back from a knee surgery, so he didn't get to play. He would hope to play last year in a couple events and stuff. So this will be his little first little dip of his toe into the tournament playing world for mm-hmm. that. So it'll be really good to him, and I'm excited to get to go do it with him on Thursday. And he's playing well. And I thought, you know, a couple times I got to throw. Like I missed most of the start of the year because my football season's going on. So. I'm not the best teammate, and I got to miss a bunch. But uh, I'm uh, excited to get back at it. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the for the open coming in, and to, I'm, I'm the plan is to be better for it. That's if I can do anything and everything for it. So we'll see. Yeah, it, um, obviously you've probably dealt with it a lot and stuff like that. But I've gone through a ton of physio and stuff this year too. So I I understand the. Um, the hesitancy to jump right into a, like a big cash rent after coming fresh out of physio, but sometimes that's when you play the best, you're a little hesitant and you can be a little more accurate and all that stuff. So well, I've said I a bunch of times back on the lanes. I agree with you, man. I think a lot of times when you're a little bit injured and you're, you're just kind of, you know, under the weather a bit, you, you tend to. Well, you lower uh, expectations of yourself almost too, right? Well, I think you play more under control. You don't get out of your, like, you know, sometimes you're not, you know, not doing wasting energy slide. You're not wasting energy doing, you know, part of all the things that I say distract from you performing at your highest ability, which is funny. You tend to not do when you're concentrating on just keeping your body safe versus worrying about, you know, overextending yourself, celebrating or doing just little things that might just 
influence your performance at the end of the match. So sometimes I think that when you're hurt or one of my best series I've ever played was right after I, you know, was getting assessed from having a torn Achilles tendon and I could barely walk, but I could slide. So I just tried to bowl and I had one of my best days. And I would, I would have a hundred percent bet that day to miss because I would have been the worst. And you never know. So I'm looking forward. I can't wait to get back at it. I, I missed tournament play and, and I want to, you know, I'd hoped to play Masters this year, but one of our flights got delayed coming back from football. So we didn't get back till four in the morning. And I didn't think it was very pertinent to try to be at the bowling tournament for nine. So I didn't end up missing the Masters tournament because of it. And so now I'm being too behind. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's hard to try to convince yourself when you're coming back that I'm going to be that good for the four perfect ones. Back in the day, I would have made that fuck whatever. Oops, sorry. I would have said that whatever. But, <laughs> it's, it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have given this shit back in the day. Yeah, you have to listen to Tim's voice the entire time. I'm not, the occasional I'm not though, man. I don't get free passes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that being said, I'd made a comment there about all those oilers and stuff in the background, so I was like... Yeah, <laughs> hiding, hiding stuff up. You know what? Yeah, yeah. At least you were a fan before Brady went there. Hey, man, I've been a fan from since day one. So uh, I'm okay with that. Eric I just can't Rett, stand Brady. Steve I used to Young, like the Hardy parts. Nickerson. I loved Ward Sapp. So, man. like, he was awesome. But when Brady moved there, I I couldn't cheer for them. So that's fair. When he retires, I'll cheer for them again. I got you. Can't stand him. Cool. First off, thanks for having me out. You know, DB uh, gave me a little late, late notice here, and of course, I'd love to jump in. It only took about another freaking 130 episodes since he invited me back, so obviously, <laughs> I didn't do a great job. Yeah, we'll see you on <laughs> Podcast 300, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks, Scott. Thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah. Are you, do you, is this live this time? Because last time we did it, we talked for 45 minutes, and then some guy forgot to put the, the, the cameras on. And we <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? All of our yeah. good shit was wasted because Bozo here forgot yeah. to do the <laughs> in, in all fairness, Scott, that's not the worst that's happened. So that's oh, fine. At least we figured out that part we threw rather at the end. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I think just to tee it up a little bit, Scotty, we can, you know, obviously you and I have been buddies for a long time, and I know that you've done a lot of work with the football teams and soccer teams, and, you know, one of your specialties is, you know, on the mental toughness, and you've often mentioned that you could do segments or you could do little shows on, um, you know, guided imagery and some of that stuff. So obviously Tim and I are chatting the other day, and, you know, what are we doing for podcasts? And I, we had, you know, we obviously wanted to talk you know, health and wellness segment. We've talked about the mental side of the game here so much. We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about the physical movement side of things. So I think we're all just as excited to have you here tonight and to share uh, with us your expertise and some of the work that you do with these groups. You know, walk us through a little bit, interact with us. Obviously tell us, you know, what is mental toughness? Um, and then, you know, you, we talk about guided imagery and some of these things. So we're a little bit new to this. I mean, obviously, well, myself and you know, the guys, we might do a little bit of work on the mental game, but um, I think it'd be great, you know, feedback for everybody or great for you to walk us through and sort of, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit more and, and help us all out on that important side of the mental aspect of the game, right? Absolutely, man. Like that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I learned this stuff really incorporated started off with the bowling side of it for me like it, i learned it in football in the states kind of came up and got to incorporate it with the bowling schools you know taking a break and and done all that stuff and then it's led into 
you know, I ended up with coaching and some of the other things that have gone on here. I've kind of got back into it. And so uh, it went from being just kind of a more of a bowling football focus. And now it's just, you know, kind of evolved into I'm doing some soccer teams and um, an expert, learn they call us an elf, but it's an expert learning facilitator for football and sport Manitoba. So I'm doing multiple sport uh, crossovers. So it's not just about one specific sport. It's about how you can use it for you know, just your sport in general. So it's kind of evolved the whole long way, but yeah, man, it's, it's one of the most useful tools that I've got and, and being able to incorporate into my game. And, you know, I've never been the best athlete uh, out there being football, being bowling, being whatever, but being, having the mental side of the game and having those, you know, that side of it has really made uh, as, as you hear when I talk about how you can fill those gaps of where you're, Skill and talent might not fit in, but the mental part of it pulls it all together. And so, you know, having skill and having talent is one of the things we'll talk about. And uh, and then the guided imagery part of it, you know, uh, one of the big things that most people don't realize is lots of people think about meditation and how you can use that for your, you know, with mental health nowadays. Uh, that's such a key thing for for people and, and, you know, yoga and meditation. And, you know, that's basically one of the things that's incorporated with the guided imagery is how to encompass your full body feelings and getting your mind uh, to overcome what your body's telling you it's feeling. And so, um, you know, it, it's such a great tool for not just for mental health, but for sport and how you can use it for both aspects of, you know, for mental health, but also for, you know, when you get on the lanes and how you can use the same techniques to perform at your highest level and to perform at your peak level. So that's kind of where this all stems from and kind of where I'll go with this, if that works. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you, you take us where you want us to go, bud. All right. So I'll, uh, can I share my screen here? I'll pull up my. Yeah, you um, should be able to. There should be a present button at the bottom. Give me one sec. I'm just going to start my presentation here. And I'll, I'll kind of go back and forth a little bit with us. So, we should start a timer. I don't have. <laughs> yeah, you guys can, like seriously cut me off and say present, present, share screen, share screen. There we go. There we go. And it's nice having well, a guest good that now? understands technology. That was way you got me now? Expected. Yeah, we can well, see the other screen. You guys got to pull it That's okay. I got there you. Go. There we go. There we go. Right? We're good? Yep. All right, so that's just done. Just click that hide button there. Yep. Good. Go. All right. Okay, so there's... Right, there, everyone's there, texting him. There's, there's <laughs> my, yeah, there we go. It's, and it begins, right? Hey, you know what? One of the funniest things is I, when I got rolled over on the football field one time on TSN, I went into my locker room and everybody, it was like I had 75, everybody of... 75 texts, but it was like probably 95% bowling people from across the country that were shooting me texts about talking shit to me. So it wouldn't be the first time I've had to come to my phone and seen a lack of text messages. After that. <laughs> so, that being said, if it, that's my name and number, um, if anybody has any questions, if they, anybody wants this presentation or anything from it, uh, please feel free to contact me because I'm totally open to giving out any and all of what it is because it's nothing that's secretive. It's uh, all information that people can use. Um, this is just a little bit of information of what I've done and where, how I've come to get to where I've done with this information um, and not important. 
So mental toughness, that's kind of where, where, where we're getting at here. Um, what, what it is to you guys. So that's where I'd start for you. So my presentation usually goes to my, to, to my students and the people in the crowd going, what's mental toughness to you guys? So if I was going to say to you, uh, DB, what, what do you think being mentally tough is? So I'll ask kind of each of you guys your own perspective on it. Yeah, to me, it's more, it's being able to be in the moment when things get tough and things get rough and being able to just sort of calm your breathing, calm yourself and be able to block out all the other shit that's going all around you and being able to just narrow it down into a small little pathway that you can focus on that, that little up window of opportunity and be able to execute in that one time. That to me in a nutshell was what mental toughness would be. Cool. Gary? Um, mine is just thinking about staying even keel, not getting the, the high, the low, trying to stay uh, like, I was just going to say mentally tough, just being in the moment the whole time. Get I'll hit, I'll hit you guys up. I'm going to keep going through it. So your ability to form for upper range of your talent and skill, regardless of the competitive, competitive circumstances. So that's kind of how uh, we have, you know, and the psychology of sports is kind of categorized. What they see is the mental toughness part of it. Your ability is to perform at the peak of your, your talent and your skill. Um, it's your ability to handle the stresses. So that's one of the things you talked about there. Um, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So being able to be in the moment, like you're saying, and being able to handle what your body's telling you, what your mind's telling you, and emotionally what you're telling yourself. So the next part of where we get to is what is talent? So to you guys, I'll, I'll go to the next one, one of the wise ones. What do you guys think? What's talent to you? So to be a talented bowler, what would you say a talented bowler is? <laughs> well, well nothing. <laughs> Come on, you guys are the guys that always got stuff to say. Yeah, yeah. D d talent is definitely um, the a lot of the physical attributes. You know, just being able to get the proper timing, all those those things. Um, at least for bowling, you know, good arm swing, stuff like that, follow through. All those things kind of go into it, but. Um, definitely the the mental side of the game is where a lot of the talent I think lies. Yeah, I yeah I I think talent is the ability to compete, right? And I think um, I think there's a lot of people out there that has talent in physical attributes and they can get away with it. Um, but I think the real talent is when they can, can combine it with your your mental game and uh, make it make you that much better. I think mental game is a huge portion of talent. Cool. Um, one of the things that we I always talk about with our kids is that it's it's an ability that someone's born with. So they always say, "Oh, he's a talented kid," or "He's got talent," and you know, so it's uh, it's something that's a skill that you naturally have, or that somebody is um, kind of given and got like a God gift. People would say so. It's something that um, I, I don't. It's your genetic potential. It's not something that's you'll get. We'll get into the like skill versus talent in a minute, but it's realistically this is kind of the natural things that you would have. So it's somebody who's tall, long, lean, different. It can be totally different for each different person. Um, so it's not anything that's limiting. It's just all the different things that you might have that'll give you the genetic potential to perform. Um, so these are just kind of words that people use. A lot of times you hear parents talk about their kids, oh, he's naturally talented in this, and he's naturally talented in that. And so w one of the examples that I use, and, and I use this for, um, 
for, for the soccer community. Um, Desiree Scott is, is, is one of the is one of the examples that I use for for uh, our soccer community. So I, I don't know if you guys are much soccer fans. I know DB, yeah. you'll know who that is. But how how I explain that to our kids is, is so so I'm a coach and my my job is to go out there and evaluate talent. So I'm going to a soccer academy and I'm looking out on the field and I'm trying to find out these kids that are talented. And Desiree Scott Scott walks on the field and she's like five foot three. She's a little midfielder. Right, so she's just this little tiny spick of a thing, but you're not the she's not the kind of person that you would put, you know, a lot of weight into is going to be that you know this kid is talented. Like you look at that person and you look at them and go, wow, this kid's going to wow me on the football field. She didn't have that wow effect. However, 181 caps, 164 starts for Canada, three Olympic gold medals, a gold in Tokyo. She was on every U16, every U19 program that she played for, and she got the title of the destroyer. So what's your genetic potential and all that natural ability doesn't really mean much because she doesn't fit any of that category, right? Because she would walk on that field and she'd be the last person that you were going to pick if you're picking sides. But, you know, inevitably when you, when the bigger picture comes through it and she's finished her career, you know, she's been one of the best players ever. So for the soccer kids, I say that's such a dramatic tale for you because talent doesn't necessarily decipher your ceiling or how high of a bar that you can reach right that that starts to weigh into multiple other things right so that's where we get into the next thing skill you know so what is it so skill is something that's learned right skill is something that you have the ability to do um with expertise so that's something that you would practice repetitively i.e bowling going out and you know working your skill and your craft that's how you get better at bowling by having skill so this is, you know, the mechanics of sport. You're supposed to practice and you're supposed to do all the things that you do repetitively for each sport, be it football, be it soccer. Well, you're, you're honing your skills. And that's what they talk about. Um, being talent is something that you just naturally have. A skill is something that you've practiced and learned. Essentially, hard work was going to get you to the top of your skill level. I keep repping out your mistakes and having pertinent, perfect practice is going to what, what's going to make you have the ability to perform at your highest level. Um, repetition, practice. So all those things we talked about are are, uh, are super important. One of the things I use for my kids and and you know for bowling and for soccer, it's really quite poignant. It's seven Ps. So I, I, when I'm in practice with my football players, I don't ever have to talk about when things are going south. All I do is go seven Ps and everybody makes sense. So what our seven Ps for us is, is pertinent, perfect practice prevents piss poor performance. So essentially, we, the seven Ps is our monogram for us to be going. If my drills and my practice isn't pertinent to what's going to be happening in real-time games or in what's really going to happen in the situation for bowling, then why are we really practicing it? So for us, I, I don't have any drill that's not re relative to what we're doing on for the week's like game plan. I I wouldn't want to go out to practice bowling and not be trying to do things that are pertinent for me to be better, which would be me deciphering where my skill level is lacking and finding out drills that are going to work those skills so that I can get to the highest level of that ability. Can you say those seven Ps again? Pertinent, perfect practice prevents piss poor performance. 
So when I'm doing little kids, I make it a six piece, but that's essentially what it is. Is, is so we have the peas on the wall right so that when we get out and we're focusing before we go that's what we're focusing on is having pertinent practice so it's got to be pertinent to what you're doing so if you if so my guys know okay this week you know this is what our goals are this week we're trying to achieve these abilities and we're trying to develop this skill this week this is what the practices are doing because they're working those skills right because all you got all my guys got talent that's why i recruit kids for football it's super easy you guys all have talent. Everybody who bowls on the tour has talent. That's not, that's not, there's no doubt with that. And a lot of guys have skill. They all work in their asses off. I never practiced. I wasn't a practice guy. Practice, that wasn't my thing. I wanted to be mentally tough. I wanted to be focused. And I wanted to be in physical shape that I could perform. Because if I could do that, I didn't need to practice. I needed to be mentally tough for it. So there's different people that have different things. So I wasn't worried about holding in on my skill. I was really working on focusing my mental toughness, which would bring my skill and my talent together. So, skill versus talent. What affects greatness the most? DB, what do you think? You're more talented, are you a better bowler? Or if you're more skilled, are you a better bowler? Uh, I think better skill, you're a better bowler, because that means that you've practiced, you've worked at it, you've earned it, you've, you know, worked out the kinks you've you know exposed the the highlights and been able to go off of that you have to have a little bit of talent but you got to have more skill okay. my thinking sure. and this is this is a really interesting one to me though because you you think about some of our two greatest players to ever come up out of alberta bruce mortar adam weber bruce mortar almost all talent he, he didn't bowl league. I mean, he, he sure, he practiced a little bit when he was younger, but for like, you know, 20 years, he didn't practice. He didn't he didn't bowl leagues. And then you have Adam Weber, who does no leagues and a lot of pertinent practice. It's it's funny how our two greatest are kind of polar opposite. Uh, I, when I, when I played back in the day, so, com, com, so competitively and repetitively all the time on the tour events, Rob used to dog me at the start when I first did it because he was like, I didn't, I never cared about league. Like to me, league, I'd like, if I could, if I averaged 230 in the league, I didn't, that this wasn't reflective of me being afraid to go play on the tour because I had no doubt on my mind when I was on a tour event, I could average 250 or 260 to make a cut. You know what I mean? It wasn't that I needed to play good in league. It just was like, a, I had this focus in a, in a in an event that was different and rob used to just dog me going like well, well why don't you just try to have that same focus in the league so that you just do it regularly so that when you get out to the tournament it's not like you have to think that you have to do anything out of the norm you just do what you do kind of week in week out and i was like nah, that was too much work in the regular league man i mean i'd have to try every week and then finally i kind of bought in and you know then started averaging 250 he's Uh, really Shit, man! I can average two seventy in my league. Why can't I do that? Just two fifty is nothing. You know what I mean, kind of thing. Yep. So that part of the whole, you know, relying on your talent was what I kind of did at the start, and then eventually going, okay, well, you know, if I try to just add some skill by making my practice time, like my league time, more like tournament time, and focusing and not giving up pins, and every pin matters, and don't, you know, all those little things that I would grind and not do on the 
at a nationals or not doing the cash event, I would just make sure that I paid every week. And so I'm a, I'm a teeter totter guy. Cause I believe that, you know, I think you can do it on talent. Just like you said, Bruce Mortar was fantastic, but wasn't worried about going to practice. It's, that's an interesting one you bring up though, is the Bruce Mortar is because, you know, he bowled a lot of tournaments though, in a course of a season, you're playing masters, you're playing open, you're playing cash tournaments, you're playing a lot of things. And for him, he, that was practice. His practice was the competitive side of things. So even not going and throwing repetitive balls though, he was owning his skill over and over and over throughout the course of a season. So, but I know what I'd you're saying. You. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Like I think, see, but the, now here's where, here's where I, I would decipher. Well, sorry. Here's where I would split my myself and say, okay, well, I part of me not practicing, I, I lied to you because I'm a big believer of the guided imagery part. So I did so much imagery specific stuff practicing. I didn't need to like throw balls to like to get better. I needed to just visualize what I was going to encounter in a cash event or a tournament event and know how I was going to react to it. I knew I could throw the ball. I just needed to get my body to react. So I just visualized as much as I could to see, oh, you punch here, you do this, you do that. I'd put myself through the ringers of all the different emotions. And so would I say I threw balls to practice? No, but I sure practiced a lot of visually and sorry, a lot of visualization about what was going to go on for the week ahead or the two weeks, you know what I mean? Like come prior to the tournament or prior mm -hmm. to the nationals. So me owning my skills mentally was what made the difference. So I didn't throw balls, but me being, you know, I, I got an image of guys, what the difference was. Cause I did throw lots of balls. It was just in my head. Um, so, you know, skill versus talent. You know, I, th I agree with you. I think there's a, there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope. I, I don't think you can be, one or the other. I don't think you're going to be the best by being just skilled, and I don't think you're going to be the best by just having talent. I think what makes you different, you know, golfer-wise, Tom Kite, one of the best ever, wasn't the biggest guy, wasn't super talented, wasn't super skilled, but was one of the best golfers ever because he just ground out the golf course. He was mentally tough. He was mentally tougher than everybody else of his time. So, and it's what it says here. It enables you to bring all your talent and your skill to life on demand. So it's not about guys wishing for shit to happen. You know, work and will wish and won't. You know, you work at it and you put in the time and stuff will happen for you. So when you're putting in the time and you're working on your mental game, it will make a difference for you. And it's about having it on demand. Emotional response. All right. Flexibility. Some of the keys that they talk about for uh, emotional responses in when it comes to being mentally tough, um, emotional flexibility, it's how we can handle the unexpected. So it's taking the, the you know, situation where a phone, a phone rings behind you on a TSN final and being able to mentally be tough to handle that, something that's totally out of the norm as it happened. Emotionally responsive. Emotionally responsive means you can remain in the moment and be connected under pressure. So being emotionally responsive to the moment is giving you the ability to stay in the moment and staying connected even though the pressure is building and not feeling that it's wearing on you. Being emotionally responsive in strength is the fighting spirit. That's usually pretty simple for everybody. It's the guy who's, and the girl who's just able to just dig through and fight through it, not getting down. 
and then emotional resiliency which is the ability to take a punch and bounce back so these are our key responses that you can have um when we're when we're in an emotional spot so this is kind of getting into the guided imagery from the mental side of it so these are start where you're going to start feeling some of these emotions are going to start wearing on you and start changing how your body's reacting and so now your body's starting to react to the situation instead of you handling your body um this is uh, sorry i got the wrong card here um this is where you'll really find the big difference is being able to decipher what the situation is where you need to be flexible strength or resilient because not always the time to be the strong guy just being raw 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 and fight 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 you know that doesn't always cut it there's a time where you have to you know sit down and realize you know be be connected with the moment and and just and being able to figure out you know how you're going to attack it without just being you know a fighting spirit if that makes sense uh ips so that's one of the things we talk about a lot for like my football kids uh, it's an, it's being in the uh, it's in a mental and physical state. So IPS is simply being in the best mental physical state where you can form at your peak. Um, heart rate, muscle tension, mental state, blood pressure. Oops, sorry, went, went too fast. These are all the key things that are going to inhibit what you're going to be doing. Uh, so you're you're most likely to achieve your ideal performance. Uh, state when you're able to control your heart rate where your muscle tension is being able to control your mental states being focused and your blood pressure meaning that you're being able to control your um your emotional response to all of those factors so ips is one of the key uh things that we try to work on with the kids these are all just some of the phrases that we use with the kids to talk about um getting into your performance performance state so these are all the key um, words that we use that these are the things that you should be using uh, to get yourself into that state so confidence relaxed calm energized positive emotions automatic and instinctive challenged focused alert fun and enjoyable so these are all things that you know we uh, I'm kind of going through quickly but we walk through each one with these guys and just saying you know you know being confident and relaxed calm um, Automatic and instinctive, that's the best way that we can perform. We don't want to have our bodies having to think about what's going on. We just want everything to be happening naturally. So these are all the, the you know, probably the most notable things that would help to get you into your IPS state. So these are so all, these like are from all a coaching standpoint, would these be all good things to be able to, you know, say to your bowler or to yourself, hey, stay focused, stay alert. This is fun. You know, I'm enjoying it. These those key words that you would sort of want to repeat to yourself and or to your your kids you're coaching. So the these are all like a lot of the times we'll tell these guys. These are the like as I would say like mantra stuff that we would use with the kids. So these these are things that you're going to walk through and find, you know, um, repeating to yourself. And as a coach, you know, it's it, it's uh, empowering statements to the kids are what we're trying to encourage versus non-empowering statements. So th this is kind of what the next time there's go to the next thing. So these are empowering um, cool. emotions, pull you into your closer to your IPS. Okay. And so there, there are the keys, things that we want to be focusing on, whereas disempowering emotions push you away from your IPS. So what does this all mean? Toughness is able to consistently access empowering emotions during a competition. So, Empowering emotions. Here we go. 
so these are all so going back these are kind of i just flipped here Dale, because i'm going to go back here and show yeah, you they're fine. all these are all connected with the same kind of the same slide so these are things that i would be walking through myself with being confident like being relaxed being calm so i kind of would have these are almost like a like a check off thing that i would walk through myself as i'm as i'm doing my guided imagery and i'm trying to get into my mental mental preparation i'm going to walk through i i used to have a headset on before bowling games and i just used to walk around and people thought i listened to music and it was just a voice that used to go you're the best <laughs> you're great and it was just empowering thoughts coming into your head just to make you and at that point I was it's like our video for open eh, Tim? yeah you know it's crazy to think that you know when you're playing well and you have that, you say those things because the occasional time I do actually play well um, and I do say those things, it works so well and you end up being in a role a lot easier. So what Scott's it's saying is here, keep you in that mode. get yourself to that state. So there's learning the, the mechanisms and learning yeah. the emotions that can get you sell, get yourself into that state quicker and longer. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, it, I, I, I think, see, no, no. To, to bring it to a big thing, that that's what's going to get you. Learning to do the, how do I want to say this? The, the, the complete circle would be eventually getting, starting yourself off, getting yourself into all those things, being able to come all the way back around that when you've, you're going back on the lane, you're almost past it, you're calm, and now you've done everything that now it's just about being automatic and instinctive, if that makes sense. So you, you're, you're yeah. trying to find that and work on that when you're in the moment versus training yourself to be, Okay, so now that when I do struggle, what's going to happen? I'm going to have to find myself. So what's the easiest way for me to find myself? All I need to do is center myself. So to me, which is where we'll get to, one of the most important techniques that you use as in guided imagery is a centering technique. So having a mantra, having a word, or some sort of a phrase that you'll use yourself to get yourself back into your IPS state. So, uh, you know, when my kids were young and I was playing lots, one of the things that I used to – and use often and it's you guys might know but there was a tv show called zabumafu it was just a silly little cartoon that my kids watched all the time but i needed a word that was going to make me calm relaxed and have fun and there was a word that my kids loved it made me think of them and so that was that was my mantra for a while so i'd stand up there and i'd be taking my i'd be doing my my centering technique i'd be doing my breathing techniques and as i'm doing that i'd be walking through my mantra and my mantra was zabumafu zabumafu and all it did was all the time leading up into that, I would do my guided imagery and I would associate it with that word. So when I would have the thoughts of nervousness and I'd get through them and I'd get back to being confident, I'd be like, Zabumafu. So my body realizes and starts like content, like it, it, it uh, how do I want to say it? You're, you're going to start putting, compartmentalizing all the little things that you think were distracting you and just being like, well, I've been there, done that. So this is not a problem. You do your centering. And now you've done all those things you're talking about doing, about having to, you know, take your breath and do all that. It, it can happen literally in a matter of a five-second span. So you can do it on the approach as you step up, do your centering, take your breaths, and it's you're back down to your IPS state. It's really quite cool once you learn to do it. And so hearing you say that, you know, when you do those and you do that and that you have to find it, like that's a really good thing but at that point now i'd rather have you do that ahead of time and have you just have to center yourself you know to reflect back on that if that makes sense mm -hmm. i'm kind of jumping ahead 
with the whole centering thing uh, a little bit, but that's kind of where I'm getting to with you, uh, Dexter, was uh, I think that you're, you're totally onto something, but I would just rather say that I would rather practice with you ahead of time as to what got you to feel that, that you had to do that. We'd work through that and visualize all that so that all of a sudden you'd just have to take, you'd step up, take your centering, and all that stuff would be like, oh, no, I've worked through those issues already, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's just by learning to do some, like, focused guided imagery on, on certain situations. So you might have to be like, you know, when I'm A, B, or C situation, I find that I get nervous. Okay, so let's focus on that situation. You do make, make yourself those guide, like, you know, seven Ps for your guided imagery sessions. So anyways, we'll get to some of that stuff in a minute. Um, so these are the empowering um, empowering and disempowering thoughts that we talk about. So these are one of the most important keys is uh, these are, there's a book, um, The New Toughness Training for Sport by James E. Lower. It's a fantastic, great book. Um, a lot of this information that you'll find with some of these stuff, it's actual, you know, I'm not saying I snorted from them, but that's, you know, nobody reinvents the wheel. You just take and you know, make yourself, but it's a really good tool to use. But that's where this is all kind of coming from. So this stuff is your empowering thoughts. Um, and emotions respond just like muscles do. So that's kind of what we were talking about, Tim. The ones that you stimulate the most become the strongest and the most accessible. So if you're, if you're going to go and you're going to stimulate, um, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to be, you know, work in your upper body if you're a runner. You know what I mean? So working the things that you need to work uh, mentally is just the same thing and emotionally. It's just the same thing as you working out, you know, throwing the shots or uh, like in a gym. So here's kind of one of the things I've jumped. This is kind of just trying to make sure I can get through some of this stuff before. So I'm jumping real quickly. Maybe I wanted to, but... Um, I used to have the kids talk about disempowering thoughts. So I, I don't like listing them on here because uh, it's just counterproductive to what I'm trying to prove. But it's super easy for us to think of disempowering thoughts. And, and so how I like to spin this tale, and it's I don't usually do it for soccer people, but I'm going to twist back for bowlers. Uh, one of the biggest things for me as a bowling parent and as a teammate, uh, I, I don't always think that I was maybe the best single competitor, but I think I was a really, really good teammate because – I think I was, um, I think I was one of the most empowering kind of persons in the pit for my teammates. Like I didn't ever say we need this shot, or uh, you know, I, there was never that. I never wanted to put the added pressure of what I was feeling or what I was thinking onto my teammates. And so many times I'll hear parents in the background, "Come on, we need this shot. We just need one strike," or, mm -hmm. like, or a teammate going, "Come on, buddy, one time. All we need is like, hey, man." Just do what you do. Just do what you do. Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm not that guy that's going to, like, tell you what you need to do. You know what the fuck you need to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? You tell me that's not running through your head. Of course you know what you need to do. So for me to tell you that you need the shot, that's that's not an empowering thought. That's a disempowering thing. And too many times in the bowling community, you hear people like, oh, my God, just we just need one more shot. Or we just need this little half. No, man. Just throw a good shot. Just throw a good shot. If you knock the shit down, 
fantastic. But just do what you can do. You can't control all the other things. So it drives me nuts. And it was one of the hardest things for me to watch is people just putting added pressure on other people and not focusing on empowering thoughts. So um, it's kind of getting to this person here. So one of the things I like to do is I say to the kids, you know, if, if I was going to say to you guys, I was going to give you $1,000 right now for the first one of you guys that could cry. And then we, and then it was legit. Some of you would have zero chance. Maybe one of you would start bawling in a heartbeat. But I think that if you look at it in a perspective, if, if we were to put this uh, out to like a actor, but, you know, there's criers and there's non-criers. So an actor is going to go into the same situation that, that we're going to go in, and they're going to have to put themselves in that state. So it's not like you all of a sudden are, you know, have the ability to just turn it off and on. But surprisingly, you do, because if you really want to be good at something uh, mentally, it, it's not as complicated as you think, because if you really wanted to cry right now and you needed to, realism and intensity is what's going to do it for you. Right? So it needs to be emotional and it needs to be physical. So it needs to be something that's emotionally connected to you and it needs to be something that's physically connected to you, which is going to make your body react to it. So that's basically what is happening in a sport when you're feeling nervous or when you're feeling the moment. It's your emotions overriding and telling your body what it thinks it should be doing. So realism is what's going to make you do it. When it comes to this, so as I would say, it's the it's the people that are going to sit here. No, sorry, one sec. It's the people that are going to sit there and focus on. Like I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer here, but hmm. if I'm going to cry, I'm going to think about somebody who was really important in my past that's passed away, that I was really emotionally sad about in that time. So I'm I'm trying to connect on the deepest level I can to an emotional response of time. So if we can do that and cause such an effect to our body by crying the same emotions when we're not focusing on them could same the same effects to you for you know tension and all those things we talked about the, the things that affect you to perform in your ips state that's where they start to come and inhibit you so as much as you think that it's not you know being able to force yourself to cry isn't really relative to what we're learning it is totally relative because if you can force yourself to focus and get that much into the state that you can get your body to physically do something that you don't control then why can't we flip it the other way and turn it so that when we're nervous we can turn the same emotions off so that's kind of where we're trying to get to when i explain that with the kids i hope this works for you guys i'm going to play a quick video if that's all right Does that work mm -hmm. yep of course our brains cannot tell the difference between an actual physical event and the vivid visualization of that same event. A reason for this is that when we experience something and when we visualize the same thing, we activate similar brain circuits. Because of this, visualizing desirable outcomes helps boost confidence, motivate ourselves, improve focus, practice movement sequences, increase strength, decrease reaction times, rewire our brains, and make epigenetic changes in our bodies. These things, along with your training, all complement and reinforce each other to improve performance and help you achieve your goals. For example, Conor McGregor uses visualization to boost confidence and prepare for competition. To give you an idea of how serious Conor is about training his mental game, 
Here's what his coach, John Kavna, has said about it. Visualization techniques that uh, Connor was doing before I'd heard of anyone else doing them. Like, he would, he could tell me when he was going to fight, he knew exactly what was going to happen long before it happened because he had done it a thousand times in his head. He had warmed up in backstage. He had heard the crowd. He had smelt the arena. He had seen the audience. He, he would really immerse himself in the, in, the, in the fight night. So by the time fight night came along, where a lot of people, dude, maybe been training in kind of a quiet gym, for eight or 12 weeks and then they walk out to 15,000 people and they get they get shot he used to walk in going yeah this is my thousandth time doing this like john kevin has said connor's vivid visualizations can help explain why he is so relaxed and confident when he makes the walk to the octagon it's a similar story with michael phelps in his book he writes that he would visualize to prepare for competition and to motivate himself sometimes for up to two hours in one sitting my dreams and visualizing kind of really played a role in, in to making me motivated and in helping me achieve the goals that I have. Alex Honnold, an athlete who climbs some of the world's most challenging mountains without a rope, does the same thing as Phelps. As he writes in his book, sitting and thinking hour after hour, visualizing every single move, everything that could possibly happen. That's what it takes to wrap your mind around a challenge such as the one I was about to attempt. I had deliberately visualized everything that might happen on the climb, including breaking a hold or just losing it and falling off. In a real sense, I performed the hard work of that free solo during the days leading up to it. Once I was on the climb, it was just a matter of executing. In terms of increasing focus and decreasing reaction times, a study of 200 martial artists found that visualization and self-talk reduced reaction times from 0.737 seconds to 0.659 seconds, roughly 10%. Although this may not seem like much, this is often a difference between winning or losing. An explanation for why this happens is rooted in a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. The reticular activating system acts as a filter. Out of all the information coming to our senses from the environment, it selects what will be noticed and given attention to by the conscious mind. By practicing visualization, you can prime your reticular activating system to help you notice and focus on important information during your competitions. For example, in UFC 194, Connor knocked out the 10-year undefeated featherweight champion in 13 seconds. Connor had been visualizing the sequence months before the fight and had even told the world what he planned to do. And I plan to set him up, trap him, lead him into dead space, lead him where he feels he is safe, but all of a sudden it's a trap and he is in big danger. During his warm-up, he was also practicing that exact sequence. When the fight started, Connor's mind was focused and primed to recognize his opponent's sequence, which allowed Connor to instantly react with the counterpunch. In terms of practicing movement sequences, a Harvard study found that research subjects who mentally practiced a simple five-finger piano exercise for two hours a day for five days made the same brain changes as the subjects who physically practiced the same activities. But... Okay, so I'm just pausing because there's a couple of pointed things in there. Do we just kind of get that point that they just made there? I think that's just the craziest. The one about Connor visualizing it and knowing exactly yeah. what was mm -hmm. going to happen. That's yeah, that, that part of it. That part of it. I'm on it. So, going to go back here for one sec. I was on the climb. It was a martial artist found 
that visualization and self-talk reduced reaction times from 0.737 seconds to 0.659 seconds. So just showing about what, by visualization, what your difference in what your body can do and how your body naturally reacts by being uh, in that IPS state, right? So that was one of the stats there, just that timeline of how, how much different it reacts to such a crazy environment as an MMA fight, right? Yeah. 10% faster is quite a difference. Yep. Huge and it's difference. Not, not necessarily relative to the bowling terms, but just saying, no. but just how difference of an IP. And then this other stat Roughly here, I'm going to go 10%. back here. About the piano? Yeah. Yeah. So what it's saying here. So this is super cool what he yeah. says about how he, how he, how he set it all up. But this is, this, this to me, this is, this is what it's saying. So, just listening carefully to what they're saying in this next little phrase, and I'll stop it again because this is super. With the counter punch. In terms of practicing movement sequences, a Harvard study found that research subjects who mentally practiced a simple five-finger piano exercise for two hours a day for five days made the same brain changes as the subjects who physically practiced the same activities, but without ever lifting a finger. So they were able to train themselves to do it without actually doing it. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it's so when I'm talking, so it says two hours a day, five days a week, and they didn't physically lift a finger. They matched the same ability as the person you know with the, doing it physically on a keyboard. That nice. is crazy. Crazy, and so that's just like it's one of the statements. And I say, if, if this isn't a pro, a, 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 a prime example. It's scientifically proven by Harvard University that it's transferable over on a keyboard. Why would it not be transferable in a sport or whatever? Like it's being to walk yourself through these things. Why would you not be able to create practice moments without having to lift a finger? That's I live by this. Um, so a couple of questions for you, Scotty. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it. Is how do you relate it back to bowling? And is it... As, how do you uh, how does this relate back to bowling? Well, well, just in whole, I mean, are you when you're playing an opponent and you're visualizing? I mean, all of it does, and this is where I'm I'm kind of going multiple questions here in one. Is yeah. is it to an opponent when they're throwing a strike and they're coming off the lane and they're fist pumping, or is it when I'm standing on the lane and I'm dealing with my own brain and my own emotions and then I start walking and maybe I've walked off to the side. I got to visualize how do I get my, myself back straight or my own reaction when I punch a head pin, how do I deal with that? You know what so I mean? You know like, what's perfect is, is you just listed three things. So those are obviously three moments that have been in your back of your mind that are times where you would feel stressed or feel like, so those are like, I, I sure. could say to each person to, to each their own, but you, you just listed three times where I'd say, okay, you know what, if I was going to guide you through this, I would get you to do, you know, five guided imagery sessions on the first situation what it what it feels like okay tell me what it feels like to fist pump. Okay. And like, we'll gotcha. get into we'll get into how how cool. real and how you will need to look at it but i'd be using those those are three stressful situations for you obviously sometimes you know to me one of the biggest things i find is people walking in for the first day or for their qualifying shift they're walking in and and walking into a new center and walking into this the, you know a bowling alley and they have to get their shoes and they've got to move around walking yourself through all that and getting yourself in a right frame of mind before you even throw your first ball that's that's a session alone makes you sense I mean? yeah, like, yeah plan it out think about it practice it 
What does it Seven feel? Teams. How does it feel? What do you? Yeah, sure. What are the things that are going to bother me this week if I'm playing in in a Masters tournament? I'm not too worried about people fist pumping. So this week in the Masters tournament, I want to be focused on being resilient. I don't want to. I don't want to be stressing every shot. So every time when I come back, I don't want to look back at the scoreboard. I don't want to be focusing on scores. I want to be focusing on throwing good shots. So that might be the focus. And then when I go into a cash tournament, it might be the fact of having so many people around throwing seven baggers that I'm not used to seeing and not getting distracted looking over at their boards. Or what do I do when I see a 10-bagger flashing beside me? Or what do I do? Those are all sessions that I might try to decipher, which is you know, kind of my game plan for the week of the thing I need to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. I, I'd, I'd agree with you, but I, I, for you, when you listed off those things three so easily as to something that might bother you, those would be the three first things I'd start with for you. And it's simple as just like when I get into, I got the stuff to get into the guided imagery part, but it's the, it's the, the sessions of it and sitting down. Like it's not long sessions. You don't want to sit. You hear about Michael Phelps sitting down for hours. That's a guy who's a professional at it. Yeah. I guess that's a guy who knows how to, he's, he's the best, one of the best in the world at it. That's why he can do it for so long. That's not what the average person does. You kind of build up to longer sessions, but that's craziness. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, that's wanted to relate it back to the bowling and the challenges and what do we do and how do we do it. Um, but I like how you said it. That's you just prepare for it. You think about it. You you, you work yourself through those situations uh, repetitively so you can know what it's going to feel like mm-hmm. when you throw a head pin, when you throw five head pins, when you throw seven head pins, and maybe what happens when you're the anchor bowler and you got to throw a strike to win the nationals? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's not like it's not on you, but you put the pressure of like, oh, this tournament's on me, this game. Like, there's four other people before you. All that other stuff is true, but that doesn't change the fact of when you're freaking in the back of the forest trying to look through it, it doesn't always mean that you can see through the other side. Yeah. So by doing guided imagery sessions, they will help you overcome those obstacles and those stressors by applying the techniques that we're learning. And get you to be the most, and get you to be the most calm, relaxed, physically dominant, physically prepared, emotionally prepared, and ready to perform, IPS state, so that at least you give yourself the best chance. It, it, you're never going to be able to make sure you're going to you get the best opportunity to do the best and perform at your best. It is what it is, man. Um, I don't know if you're going to touch on this a little bit later or not, but we do have a question here from JB. Yeah, I can't see anything. I just see my whole presentation. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I okay. see none of you guys so, or nothing. So, all right. So the question was: He's like, yeah. I bought in, yeah, but I see almost nothing in my mind when I try to visualize. What do I do? Okay, so um, I, I'm gonna let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the rest of this video, and then I'm gonna get right back to that question because it comes to clarity vividness emotional control and positive outcomes so those are the that's what i would say it is and that's the realism regularity regularity and reinforcement so the three r's that i'm going to talk about in a, in a couple minutes about the guided imagery part will kind of make it all a little bit more um like a table of contents is where you can kind of start and kind of then lead into the next phase and how you get to that so i'll, I'll kind of fill in a few blanks with that and then i'll come back in just one second i just want to finish the end of this video does that work without ever lifting a finger. Remarkably, visualization can also increase strength. In a similar experiment, 10 volunteers each imagined flexing one of their biceps as hard as they could 
five times a week. In a few weeks, they increased their bicep muscle strength by 13.5%. And they maintain... This chance for yet, DB. You lose those chicken wings just by thinking you don't have chicken wings. <laughs> ...gain for three months after the training had stopped. And finally, consistent practice of visualization can be used to rewire our brain and to make epigenetic changes in our bodies. This is the part of visualization that I find the most fascinating. I'll be making another video in the future summarizing the book, You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza to explain the science of how this all works. The key takeaways from this video is that there are countless benefits to visualizing and you would be at a disadvantage if you did not make use of them. In a future video, I'll be explaining the specifics of how to visualize like an elite level app. So that's kind of just a really poignant video that I had that I that I love to love to show the kids because it just makes it it really clicks it in. Uh oh. Well, what's funny about this is this is one of the you guys know this video I'm assuming mm. I'm not gonna play it but this is one of I actually use a bowling video uh, to show my kids about you know being prepared for the moment and so this is the the run out of my at the provincials that time. And just shows the kids the scoreboard and how it all panned out and uh, just that last frame. But that's one of the videos I actually used for my soccer kids was showing them. And because I get a kick out of it, I showed my boys in the video and they're like, yeah, show the football, like show the soccer kids and the football kids what it's like to be in that moment. So that's just the, the video from the provincials here that I have. So I'm not going to play that right now. Um, but when should I use guided imagery? So I'm going to start getting into some of the things that we talked about now and how I can help fill in the, the guided imagery part of this equation. Um, so um, there's really the, the, to see success is one of the biggest things that that I that I will um, say that I'm trying to tread carefully here because I. I think that seeing success is what makes people really good bowlers. I don't think anybody who doesn't think that they're the best bowler out there or or that they're not uh, unbeatable is pretty hard pressed to ever actually win an actual event because I think that you need to believe in yourself wholeheartedly if you're going to be the best. So um, to see success, this is super important. I, I use my guided imagery to just, I don't say, blow roses at myself, but to, to, to boast myself up, to believe that you were better than probably what you are, so that when you got in that moment, there wasn't doubt, and that you would believe that it was going to actually happen for you. So I'm a big work and will, wish and won't kind of guy. So to see success is huge. Motivate, yeah, I didn't need, didn't, I didn't really lack motivation very often. I was pretty motivated, and I don't think that necessarily in this situation for most of the people that would be watching here would have that problem because you're competitive high-level bowlers and so um, not usually things to perfect your skills that's a, one of the most important uses that this is for is to zone in and actually work on how you can use it to better yourself without having to throw balls kind of the whole keyboard thing and you know working the whole piano keyboard without having to be on the piano so just like being on the lanes uh, without having to be on the lanes uh, and this is one of the other Familiarize myself with the center. So I was a guy that liked to you know, visualize walking into the center, what it was going to sound like, what it would smell like, you know, what, what were the distractors? Was it going to be video games? Is there going to be, you know, like what's going on? Is there going to be a, a, a you know, a, 
kids play area beside it like I just tried to visualize anything and everything that might be distracting in the center that might pull me in and you know walk yourself through how you'll react to those things and so uh, it was a really a, a big one for me was to get myself you know I, I get you know the bus rides over and all those things at the nationals I always get so worked up and so I was ready to like run through walls that I'd have to just get myself calmed down so a lot of times it was not to get motivated and to be excited it was to calm myself down so and to set the stage for performance so refocusing we'll talk about that with the centering and then after competition uh, I think it's really good to use the guided image to under self understand you know what emotions that I see today what what things were different than what I envisioned and what 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 can I take from today that I can put into my next guided imagery session that's going to make it pertinent to the next situation? Um, and then mental health. I, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but this is basically, uh, guided imagery is basically meditation. So you hear people talk about breathing and all that stuff. That's basically what this is. It's just it's using a meditation technique in order to use it for sports specific and uh, emotionally specific events that's kind of to entail them together uh, tools of the trade pattern breakers so one of the things i'm going to talk about so we're going to go back to what we uh, that what we were just saying with the question before um one of the things about the things for guided imagery is that it has to be um it's just it's just not about sitting down like whoever asked the question there hundred percent is 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 on point so many people find that you know it's, it's pretty hard to sit down and all of a sudden say well i'm going to do guided image and you sit down it's like well freaking like where do i start like what do i do like how do i make it useful and like sitting down and not actually seeing what you're trying to accomplish is is, is a lot of times what distracts people from thinking it's as good of a tool as it can be so um realism regularity and reinforcement those are three of the key r's that i that we use for um, having successful um, guided imagery. So create an image that's so realistic you believe it, that you're actually executing that skill. In order to obtain the most realistic imagery possible, you must incorporate clarity, vividness, emotion, control, and a positive outcome into your imagery. So clarity is one of the first starts that I'll go with. Making the images as visible and vivid as possible and including color. So when you're doing... Uh, your guided image. So my my biggest thing right right now is I'm gonna like set up a situation. So one of the biggest things for me that I found uh, uh, that that I found tough was playing with like slow methodic people when I wanted to go, and so me really having to reel back and not changing my pre-shot routines and not changing my regular routine that I would go up with, but being able to manipulate it so that I could do it without letting the other person uh, kind of influence it so i would often picture <laughs> sorry buddy but kevin holsworth is a guy mm -hmm. you know what i mean just standing there standing there standing there and i'd be like okay you know what i mean what what and i can just kind of feel myself right there you, you feel myself tensing up from it because i'm just like fuck what what's what? like why and that's why they're doing it is because they want to have changes and lots of guys do it because it helps them to be emotionally in the IPS state that they need to be in, but they also know it makes it hard for you to be. So I used to visualize, uh, you know, Kevin standing there rocking back and forth and back and forth. And so, you know, I could picture his shoes and I could picture him in his shorts and I picture his 
bowling ball and like you know what i mean all of the little things that the little specific things that i just i hate to keep picking on them but that that was one of the things like i looked up to kevin he was one of the best players of, of our time and was super clutch and there wasn't many people that i'd say i'd take the ball out of my hand for an attempt frame to give it to but kevin would be a guy i would so i, I needed to say okay well what, what what can i take from his abilities to perform at that moment you know he he never looked different like, you know, he may take time and he was doing it all in order for him to be at his best. He never did it because he was trying to mess with people because inevitably he knew that it would do that to them. But it was about him being the best he could be. So I, I used him a lot of times to kind of not only just to use what he was doing against me, if that makes sense, because it wasn't really against because we're buddies. But like, that's what, you know, was hard for me to deal with was the most slow, you know, kind of. I remember Bob Gaylor. I don't know if you guys remember him. He's from BC, mm -hmm. but he like that dude like took ten seconds, then he walked backwards, and then he walked forwards, and then he walked backwards, and then he walked forwards, and then he threw the ball. So like, people told me about it all this time. It was one of my first nationals. I went there, and then I got there. I couldn't bowl him. It totally ruined me. And I was like, what? What is going on? And I had to literally go back. And that was one of the things that started my you know, big sessions of trying to focus on it because I totally got ruined by this guy because I'd, I'd go to slide up and all of a sudden he'd come back and i think he was going and I couldn't even be in my own game because I was too focused on trying to see what he was doing. So back to what I was saying, sorry, but clarity uh, would be the first, making sure that you have really clear, vivid images of what you're trying to focus on. Vividness, incorporate as many of your senses as possible. So uh, using uh, clear and realistic images, like so uh, it sounds smells like everything that you can imagine how many times you go in a bowling alley and it smells like a deep fryer mm -hmm. you know what i mean so those things are those are those are triggers those are things that are going to change how your body reacts to it so why not prepare for those things like some people get turned off by that oh i like i could notice couldn't care less necessarily about smells in the building so it wasn't necessarily but i know since other people those are you know as a person who works with kids with you know different emotions. I know how much sounds and smells and all those things can totally control what it does to you. So I just um, smell popcorn right now. I just I literally just thought about it and I can smell popcorn just by thinking about it. <laughs> it it's, it's so true. So incorporating some of those things into like really making it. So you walk into like, if I was to tell you, I want you to think about going into a movie theater. One of the first things you probably would think about would be smelling popcorn. So being visualized, being visual and, and actually having, uh, you know, that, that smell, like you said, all of those, you know, just like the video said, any emotion that you can hit, sorry, any sense that you can hit on, it literally is like you're actually working that sense, like the keyboard thing, you, you can make yourself smell popcorn. So um, emotion, uh, try to include emotional feelings in your images. So that's one of the things I, I was a, a guy who would get up super, super excited and over emotional. Like I get so jacked up and worked up that I think it, it hindered me at times because I'd be so worried, not worried, but hitting hard and smacking hands and, you know, ripping through the pit and just being silly that at times I think I would have been, you know, as I'm an older guy now, I think it would be better off to conserve some of that energy. I think I was wasting, you know, that was nervous energy that I was wasting off and, Instead of focusing and using that energy to be more positive, I think I do it differently now. Um, but learning that was one of the things that I really used was focusing on the emotions of the moment because, you know, getting up and down. And I like I, 
I could easily lose as a singles guy when I played in the cash event because I never let anybody down except myself. And I could let myself down, big fucking deal. But to look back and to have to look, you know, one of my buddies in the eyes after, you know, missing a shot or, you know, not following through, that that's that's the shit that killed me. I mean, so turning around and, and dealing with those emotions of like, wh what's it going to feel like when I turn around and I've missed this shot? And I got to look at, you know, Trevor Cook and Wade and some of these guys that I've missed shots for, you know, in times when we go to nationals and you're like, you know, I mean, that's, that's the stuff that, you know, you really need to focus on. And that's the ones that I really keyed on was the emotional side of it. So that's my biggest thing was emotions. I, I really tried to manage my emotions with my guided imagery. Um, control, break down the images into small components. I don't want it to be done. Um, like, as I said here, sprinting, consider the action of the arms, legs, trunks, heads, feet, hands, breathing, etc. Like, don't put it all into one thing. So, like, you know, I would say don't be trying to draw a whole image of, like, your whole focus is to just say, I want to see myself throwing strikes. That's, like, you know, I want to see, you know, my first good step. Or I want to see my hand coming off with the ball coming off my middle finger. So, like, definitive, specific images, um of what you're trying to accomplish, kind of the, going back to the whole seven Ps, that's what's going to make you successful and doing it just in little bits of repetitive. So it might be working on your first step. And then the next day it might be working on your release point. And then the next day it might be visualizing, you know, the emotions of punching a head pin or the emotions of needing a corner pin to win your match or the emotions of, you know, losing a national championship and having to see a teammate back there or like you can you can twist it how you need to but that's those are the you know doing small repetitive three to five minute sessions over different topics is what's going to make it much more easy and much more positive outcome and again the positive outcome you only achieve what you believe so work and will wish and won't i would never ever visualize me not being positive in the end of it so even though if i'd visualize myself punching i'd always end up going at it and in my last visualization that I'm going to go through is me ending up positive. Like, so me winning or me doing the routine successfully or me performing whatever the, executing my, uh, ex executing my routine at the best of my ability. So that's, I'm always going to end it up on the positive note. So, um, so what we talked about was regularity of spending about three to five minutes on imagery seems to be the most effective way. It should be included in your training and times outside of training, but should also be spent uh, usually done times where it's not associated with actual sport. So doing it in the evening, like at a bedtime, it's just a really great way to do it is do uh, get yourself worked up into a nervous state and then try to get yourself worked back into go back into a really calm state, which ends up, usually leading into you being pretty relaxed going into bed so a lot of times it's a pretty useful time to be working on it is like you know come bedtime because you can end up working yourself and finding yourself in a spot that you'll get yourself quite relaxed when you get good at it um and then reinforcement you know having a plan repeating the, the images and making sure you um have a goal so um Pattern breakers. I'm just going to go back. These, oops. So back to my presentation. I got busy talking instead of talking about this. These are the three things. The pattern breakers are um, that where I said about having a mantra with the whole Zabumafu or whatever, having a self or a catchphrase or a, a, a way of 
you know, when you're feeling really nervous, having a phrase that's going to get you back and get you into the IPS state, which is our quick set routine. So that's kind of where I'm getting to, the center routine, centering routine. And um, how I would be working on that is coming up with a mantra, learning the breathing techniques. And so one of the easiest ways that I like to teach um, the breathing techniques for the kids is there's how to, how, I'll start I'll do it three different ways for people. So that, I don't know if you guys can't see my camera right now, can you? I'm going to escape here for a second. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop sharing my screen we for a second. You. you can see me? Okay. So we do this. So this is what I do. With, so when I do this with my kids, this is the easiest technique that we use. We call it the mountain breathing for the kids. So essentially how I would do it with our kids, I'm going to go this way, is, is when we're going up the mountain, we're trying to inhale through our nose and we're filling up our belly as we climb up the mountain and as we're at the top of the mountain we're going to pause and as we go back down the mountain we start to exhale so as i'm teaching this for the kids it's a it's a it's a five process technique as we do it so well pretty simple i'm just going it fast to show how we do it right so that's how i would doing it with the younger kids because it's a really easy way to do it so as i and we would teach it it's five 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 is how they classified. So five seconds of inhaling, five seconds of holding, five seconds of exhaling. Hmm. So that's the, the, the simplest way to start for the person is using a five-five-five technique, which you can kind of do by the mountain by breathing by going five seconds up, five hold, five back down, five up, down. So as we're doing it, it's filling in through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. So that's, we're basically trying to fill our belly button with air. Hold it for five, exhale for five. That's the simplest way to teach it. And that's where I would basically start the kids. Um, the next way that, that, that I like to do it um, is five ten five. when you get better at it. So you're gonna extend it so that you're not Lenny, Lenny's asking about That's your thumb. What was I doing with my thumb? Well, I think just that you had you had it up. It must have been doing something. <laughs> you know what's weird is I'm trying to get this whole thing because my camera is reversed, right? So as I keep looking to the right, it keeps making me look the opposite way. So <laughs> it's all messed up. Anyways, why am I worried about what Len's saying in the first place? <laughs> I, I'm impressed that Len's still with us. He's 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 locked in. Well done. Um, yeah. um, what was I saying now again? Thanks, Len. Your breathing technique. And you said <laughs> oh, so then five ten five. So the hardest part about going five ten five is that a lot of people find it like it's a struggle to do it. So it's kind of that would be like the if you've done the five 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 for a while and you're finding it's really easy and you don't find that you're because sometimes when you're doing the five, 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 you'll find out that you're like, by the time you do the fifth one, you're kind of like, <sighs> you just want to take a breath because your body's not used mm -hmm. to circulating your breathing that way. So when you do five, ten, five, it gets even like if you were to, if I was to tell you to inhale for five seconds, hold it for ten seconds, and exhale for five. Try that and see how it makes you feel. Do it three times in a row. You'll feel your heart rate will go down, but eventually you'll feel you're wanting to. So your heart rate will decrease. But you feel you're having to gasp for breath versus 
once you did the five 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 for a while and then you switch to that it'll it'll make it that much more simple however the last way we do it is i i'm a big believer in doubling it so if you when you get really good at it whatever you inhale for you want to double it on the way out so i don't worry about holding it so when i'm doing my breathing i don't do it i just use a double technique so if i breathe in for 10 seconds i want to exhale for 20 seconds so hmm. that sounds try that because that, that that's time. where it gets really tough because it's not well I have really big lungs, so for me to be able to inhale for 10 seconds isn't hard to do. I can go. We we know, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I can inhale for, for 10 seconds, and it's really easy to get that second. But then for you to exhale for 20 and not go and have to take another gulp of breath is super hard for the average person to do it. Like, if you tried to do it, go go. Seven, seven, fourteen, seven, or whatever. I don't care. Go five, ten, five. Is seems pretty easy if you did it a couple times. But you do it five times, you're like, oh my gosh, your heart rate changes. So it, it's really kind of a buildup. Whereas I can go double, no problem. Once you start learning to do the, it's the exhale for me what makes the big difference. It's the easy to go, and then the exhale for the twenty seconds mm -hmm. is so slow, and I can literally feel my heart just go boom, boom as I do my 20 second exhale. So now that I've done it, my body reacts just like that to it. So as soon as I do, I can be running and running and running and I get the kids. So when we're doing this, we all stand on the spot and we stand on the spot, we have another spot and we check our heart rate. And then we do it again and we stand on the spot, we stand on the spot, we stand on the spot and we run and we run and we run and we run and then we do the breathing for five techniques and then we check their heart rate and it's significant to see how different their heart rate changes just in without practicing it just by doing it the first couple of times properly i feel breathing has taken a big turn in the bowling world here recently uh, learning that sort of technique mm -hmm. and i referenced mark miller uh i think it was a autumn open prep or something and he was something that he was focusing so hard was breathing and that sort of uh, brought into attention a little bit of that and i certainly tried that at the tpc at the invitational and just sort of some of the matches just control the breathing and calm the heart rate and you know, specifically focus on when you're using the emotion and not using it. So it's, it's, it's a nice relation for sure, Scotty. Curtis Deering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Inevitably, as much as it seemed like that, uh, that's essentially what he was doing. He was centering every time before he threw a shot. He'd close his eyes. He'd take out all the stimulating factors. He'd center himself, take a couple of breaths, and he'd take his first steps. And so he he's was the perfect example of, a guy who, I don't know if he necessarily knew that that's what he was doing, but he, he was doing a guided imagery session before he threw every ball. Yeah. I mean, like he literally took the first steps with his eyes shut. I mean, that's a guy who visually knows what's going on. Have you ever tried to walk up and approach with your eyes closed? It's not so easy. <laughs> right? And the dude was really good at it, right? And yeah. But that's just, that's knowing... Your body's going to react to what you're doing. It's like he centered and was calm. He never looked out of place from, you know, a 10-bagger to a 15-puncher. Like, he never looked any different because he just got up. He did his routine. And, you know, being that machine is what I think really made a big difference for him. So um, what I, how, how I would be telling, you know, with the question we talked about is I would really be starting off with learning the breathing. Like, you know, work on getting your heart rate down. Just working on, you know, doing a, a mental toughness session where you're just saying, okay, I just want to sit here and I want to see if I can get my heart rate to go down in the next 20 seconds. 
right? So I don't care. You don't have to be running around or whatever, but just you can you can tell alone if you can drop your heart rate just by sitting in for five seconds, well, five you know sessions or whatever, or doing it for like five times. You'll really notice how easy it is. So on top of that, you do that. You start off, do you take your breathing, and now you close your eyes. And if I was to tell you to visualize your happy place and do that, not everybody can do that. I, I, like that's not necessarily what I'm going to tell you to visualize. But if I were to tell you, Daryl, I need you to close your eyes, uh, and I need you to best describe the room that's right in front of you, you could visually do it to me because it's something that you can visually see right in front of you, and you could say, okay, well, to my left, you know. I'm going to flip this on you. To my left, I have a bomber's cup here that I'm drinking my Coke out of. And beside it, I have my zip sticks that I have on the table that has a disc beside it that has a paper cutter. And so off in the distance, I have my speaker. And so by me giving you those those stimulations and letting you see exactly all the little things that you can do, it's pretty easy for you to draw an image for me of what I want to see from you. So by taking that and now taking that image and going, okay, it's the problem of being sports specific that gets problematic. Okay, what about the bowling game do I need to see that I need to make? If I, like, okay, it's not the bowling rack. It's not the whatever. It's all of those things that come in together that are going to set me off. So I would start by just going, okay, where do I bowl each week? Well, if it's at Dakota Lanes, I want to visualize myself on lane one and two or whatever the number is, I want to walk into the bowling center. So when I walk into the Coda Lanes, what's the first things I'm going to see? So I would start by walking in the building. There's no emotions. There's no, there's no, there's no stressors. There's nothing. It's just getting you in the right frame of mind of what am I going to see when I walk in and visualize that. Try to visualize your own bowling center. And if, if that's even hard, then sit down in your room in front of you, close your eyes, and draw this picture again. Because right now I can tell you exactly what I just told you a minute ago. Because when I was telling you, I was drawing the picture in my mind. When I was talking to you, I was trying to go say, okay, I'm, I'm not just kind of flipping through it. I'm drawing it, drawing it, drawing it. So when I close my mind, I can take myself back to that same situation. So sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, taking a part of your room and saying, okay, I want to visualize what's like a memory game on the left of my desk. I want to draw an image of exactly what's on the left, and I want to see if I can close my eyes for 10 seconds and come back and nail everything that was there. It's like that whole tray game where you have a tray of the paper clip and a pencil and a, you know, little, you know, things, you know, practice and practice and mental imagery. Right, because what it gets to eventually is, is we're going to start taking out all the other little things that don't, like, you know, right now I'm giving you all those things, but if you tell me what's the most important thing that I need to focus on on my desk, and that's the zip sticks, I'm going to just sit there and be able to focus on those things and not be looking at all of the other distractors. So what we're going to do is we're going to streamline. We're going to kind of see and draw a big picture, and now we're going to, after we've taken this big picture out, we're going to go and say we're only going to see this and we're all going to see this. So we're doing, we're seeing as much vividness as we can in the whole picture, but you're, you'll streamline it as you start getting focused as to what you're trying to achieve. So I, I, I think I'm not making my point very well at the moment because um, I think it's if if I was to say to you, I want you to put everything off your desk and you put one thing on your desk and I mean, you describe that one thing to me as best as you can in as most detail as you can 
you'd go as, as much as you could from it. So you'd say this, 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 and this, right? Now from there, being able to take that and for me to say, I need to be able to take that same words and put it into a way that I can visualize it so that I can go back and access it whenever I want to is what we're trying to do for bowling, right? So I, I want to take, so as much as I'm saying it's less about the, the the big picture, it's really, really definitive about what you're trying to accomplish. So I don't want to get distracted by saying, I just want you to visualize this as anything because now I'm getting back to what Buddy said. There's like, well, I sit down and I have nothing I can focus on. Mm -hmm. So I pick the one thing, like for me, is it, do you get emotional about punching a head pin? Okay, let's just do that. So for this week, then sit down and I want you to deal with, I want you to, the first time I want to sit down and I want to punch and I want to be not successful. And I'm just going to see everything about what happens when I'm not successful. Do I get angry? Do I get pouty? Do I get focused on, you know, bad shots? Do I, like, what What of it that makes, what of it's a problem? And then let's focus on that. Let's visualize all those things going wrong. And then you take the breath and you start over. And then we're going to sit back and I'm going to go, okay, now that I've seen all those things, what can I do that's going to make me feel better? Well, I'm not going to react to the fact that I got a headband. I'm just going to throw another good shot or like walk myself through the positive steps. And then I'm going to do that same visualization with those as my focus. And then I'm going to go back the next time. And then I'm going to streamline it even one more. So now it's not about the punch. It's not about the whatever. It's about as soon as I throw my shot, I'm just going to refocus and get ready to throw my next ball. Because my next ball is not conducive as to what I just threw, so I may have punched or whatever, but it's not conducive to me throwing another shitty shot or whatever. And then, and then we start, you know, focusing on, you know, okay, well now I've been successful and now I've thrown it. So what's the next thing I want? I want, I want to see myself being successful, and not putting myself in that situation. So how do I get there next? Well, I want to be more positive when I'm in at the start of the game, and then that just kind of leads back to you know, where your next sessions are going to go. So your pertinent practice comes from, you know, okay, well, because a lot of times you're going to go into and, and it gets, eventually when it gets good, it gets so real that you're going like, oh, I, I didn't think I was going to feel like that. Or I didn't think I'd see that. Like, I mean, like I, I, I never would have practiced a cell phone rang in the pit for me at a, at the TSN pins game final. Like I visualized, I thought everything. I was like, there's nothing that can throw me off. Because I honestly had thought I'd prepped for everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously not. Hello. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. But you know, and so I, I keep it kiss principle. Keep it simple. Right? Keep it simple, stupid. Like it's so simple to just focus on the little things. And so uh, I think emotions is the biggest thing for most bowlers. I think everybody who plays on the tour is really talented. You know, there's, there's, and everybody works their skill. Not a lot of guys out there that play is at your guys' level now that doesn't practice. Be it, you know, league play, whatever. There's a lot of guys that just show up on the weekend and play. It just doesn't happen anymore. The scores are too big. It's too competitive of a field. So I, th I think more and more guys are practicing more. I, I would think, hey guys, like you guys see probably see them at the lanes. You still don't think people aren't practicing as much or, or no. doing the things off the lanes that they need to be doing? 
I, I think I think they're using their time when they're playing league more efficiently than ever. I see people using the league as a as a practice tool and as a as a warm up for events. I see some people I probably like two to three percent are coming in practice when they need to. You'll see it maybe more of a week of the a big event. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see it more, but I see them being more efficient in, in their league and when they actually do practice what they're actually practicing now. Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I'd be surprised with like you got four guys here on the board right here that I would say that are guys that I would see the need to throw a lot of balls. Yeah, and that's just me. And I, sometimes this is where you get people that you know six of one half throws the other. But I, I think guys like you have been doing this long enough. I've been bowling for forty something years, and my body knows how to step up. It doesn't matter. I took seven years off or whatever it was, and came back and played the Regina tournament, and it wasn't like my body all of a sudden was throwing a backup ball or throwing like it's like riding a bike man and i say i hate to be this way but i tell my kids at football all the time do you really think about it when you wipe your ass <laughs> it's a pretty complicated thing and there's a lot of bad things that can happen to you when you do it if you don't do it right but do you think about it all the time no oh, because I it's a natural so thing you just you just do it right so that, that that's when you get good at it that's where it should be it should just be a matter of you know hopping and getting it done because you're not having to you know, walk through every stupid little thing of the process. Absolutely. I'm glad we're doing this session because I was starting to lose belief in the argument that mental game is so valued and so important. I was starting to go more towards the, you need to bowl, you need to have reps, you need to throw balls, you need to pick corners, you need to do three pins, you need to, you know, and you need to execute, you need to do this. But you're kind of, I mean, I'm leaning I mean, now back towards, now I'm not doing enough work on the mental imagery and the, and the you know, preparation and the visualization and, and the things that can happen, that by doing all of that work beforehand and up in the head and all the visualization will prepare you for that moment of when you're in it, that you don't, you, you're, mm -hmm. you're, I'm masking the mistake with execution shot when it really is mental. But this is this has helped me now think a little bit more into the mental side of practice. Well, I think you guys are all at the level that you can all be easily national champions or 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 tour champion in a heartbeat. Right. That 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 being said, that shouldn't be a part of the discussion for any of you guys. But it's about being. Um. It's about being at the ability to do. Like that to be in the IPS state and be able to perform at that state. I don't think you guys need to go and like you guys all have all this the, the talent in the world. I don't think you need to go. I don't think you're going to all of a sudden not be on the bowling lanes for a long period of time. All of a sudden you're going to do a three step or a five step approach when you were a four step. Like it's just your body doesn't roll like that. You know what I mean? You, it's it's repetitive and it's so consistent for you guys that I think that it's proven by showing the piano keyboard thing that you don't have to throw the balls in order to get the same repetition. So if you're visualizing and working in those shots into your routine and you're seeing the same thing that you were doing in your practice on top of dealing with the emotional and the other things that you can get from the from the, the guided imagery part of it, I think it's 100% better than going out and throwing balls when there's nobody else beside you and you're just chucking, chucking, chucking mm -hmm. and shoot great scores and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking playing great. That has no <laughs> relativity to what's going to happen in a cash tournament. None. Yeah, you know, when I'm sitting in my bed and I'm visualizing <laughs> the stress of me needing a shot in ten to win my match in a Regina tournament, and the 
10th frame of the third game, that's a pointed point that's going to be more conducive to me being successful than it is me going and throwing an error at Dakota all night. Yeah, so you know, I want to I want to preface yeah. this with saying I completely 100% agree with you, but I want to tell a funny story that happened at Nebs. Kelsey was facing Sly, and he forgot what foot he starts with and how many steps he took. <laughs> he, he was literally in the middle of the match. He's like, I forgot how to bowl. I don't know what foot I start with. I don't know how many steps I take. I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> I don't think that that's a bad thing. No, it, was, it, was just, that, it was just it's interesting to see. To be able to be so far and so out of context. Like Sometimes I go up and I look up and I've gone to my teammates. I'm like, hey, man, did I have a spare last frame? And they're like, yeah, man. Don't you remember? I'm like, no, because I like I literally try to tune it out when it's done, like, good, bad, or otherwise. I've moved on, and there's times I look back and I'm like, sheesh, did I just do that? And they're like, mm-hmm. but that's that's being not that I'm not in the moment. I'm just trying to be in the moment. Like I, yeah. there's looking back, yeah. nothing I can do about that. Like move forward, move forward, focus on your next shot. Like, you know, so, I sorry, Dex, yeah, okay. I I, I want to see how mental imagery and and mental game is so important um i say this all the time and i know i know scott you know him well but brad brad moans right that guy his mental Whoa. game is is through the roof and you watch him win this tpc and and how he was standing there his same routine he doesn't even he knows what the score is without even looking at the score right he is so in tune with what he's doing and like i mean gary has a great mental game as well but Watching Brad always go through, I think he doesn't throw a lot of repetitions, but he's always there because of his mental game. Yeah. Yep. One of the um, toughest guys mentally because he doesn't get phased. No. He's a tough oh, exactly. guy to beat because you never have him against the ropes and he never feels that he's vulnerable. Yeah. So this is this is an interesting comment by JB, and I think I, I've made it like pretty clear through all these podcasts that I, I kind of like – I always find ways to distract myself pretty much all the time. So that's me chatting with people or wandering around. And when I'm in between frames, I don't spend any time thinking about bowling, really. I'll spend all my time mentally somewhere else. And I think that that's what what JB is saying here is interesting to me because it kind of puts into context in my head what I've been kind of doing where I may be distracting myself from the bowling, but I'm 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 literally reducing the interference and the distractions of all the like my match going on and like the distractions of what that person is doing while he's up on the lanes and all that stuff. It's keeping me. I don't worry about the timing of how long they take or any of those things because time is irrelevant to me because I'm already distracting myself. You know, it's it's reducing those outside influences by having my own personal distractions. And not the ones that could affect me, if that makes any sense at all. Hundred percent. Totally. I think that like what makes, you know, the, the, what guys that are off doing those things and separating themselves. Like I, I, I don't think you want to sit there and grind yourself all the time through a whole thing because you'd be too. You'd be you just beat yourself up too long over the day because every match is so long. If you, It's okay if you had a one-match day and you got out of there, but if you're playing both sides and you're going to go on for a while, the emotions and the grind of it just gets too much that you need to have. Like being able to separate from the moment, the difference is, is you can come back and you get yourself centered and focused again that you're back into the moment versus other people have 
The problem is, is they try to separate themselves from the stressors and what's going on in their match and the things that are inhibiting emotions. And they try to separate themselves from that and in turn get themselves into disempowering thoughts and and feelings because they're out of the context of being in the match, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they yeah. try to separate to put those things away from them and all of a sudden now they've divided themselves and now they can't get back right. and have a tough time being in the moment when they step back on the lane. Yeah. So I think it's a great, it can be a slippery slope at times because I think it's a great tool when you can be able to, you know, separate yourself from the moment and not just sit there waiting the timing and reading all that stuff out as well. So I think that that's a really useful tool. I think it just shows your mental capacity though also to get yourself back into the your IPS state pretty quickly. So you must have some centering techniques and some, you know, quick set routines that get you back ready. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I as soon as I start spinning the ball in my hand, if you ever watch, I have the same pre-shot, like I'm kind of like BMO that way. And I pick my towel up, I pick my ball up, I spin it, I blow on my hand, I step up, I, you know, like that, I rub my, like there's a certain routine that I follow repetitively because that's what golfers do. That's what the best athletes are going to yeah. do. Like tennis player, anybody who's really good at a, at a repetitive sport has a pre-shot routine that they follow religiously. So I think that you probably have some things that you do on your own, like a quick set. I would say you'd have a quick set routine and I would say you have a centering technique that maybe you don't realize that you do, but you definitely have to have something when you go back on your lane to get you back into your IPS state pretty quickly. Because otherwise you'd just be shit all the time. Yeah, because exactly. you'd walk away and you'd be like, "Oh, whoa, 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 what was I doing?" No, 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 you're, 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 you got to perform. Yeah. So, right, walking off the stage and then, you know, trying to hop back on it isn't always the easiest thing, you know, if the stage is really high up. So it's having a having a platform that you can manage to, to you know, step off of and step on, is what making you successful there. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I definitely stole my pre-shot routine from you, Scotty, watching you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. It was spinning the ball in, in a towel. I don't use a towel much anymore, but it was the same thing. Always, and I noticed what you did every time was the same. So I made sure when I was going up on lane, I did the same thing every time I went up on the lane. Didn't matter what it was. If it was resetting the pins, picking up the ball, cleaning it off, practice sliding your your sliding foot on the lane before you stepped on i made sure i did it the same every time i'm a huge believer of routine yeah i mean you watch the best golfers and tiger and like you know what i mean you watch this you know nadal doing his little like, i mean he, has, he doesn't need to do that shit it's but that's you know what i mean that's that water yeah. do you think um gino or adam weber be comparable to kevin naw We should put up Len. We should put up Len. Did you question? Was that directed at me? It's it's directed to all of us. I I I don't know what I think. Gino, when he's on a tear, he is like Kevin Nall. I think I put Gino in there. Back <laughs> forward, back forward, back. Sergio Garcia. Yeah. Just a little, yeah. little step up and yeah. <laughs> this has been awesome, Scotty. Man, this, I, you is, know, this I, has been good. Work. I always joke with G, the Gino with his hands on his on his hips at the end of the foul line. Is that's my little Gino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shaking it out. Yeah. Shaking it out. Going, man, you think every shot should be a strike, man? That's craziness. 
I love Gino. Yep. But yeah, yep. you know what? Those guys, but that's, you know, to, to Gino's credit, Gino's a guy who, you know, I, I think used his talent and his skill to be one of the best and used his mental toughness and his mental game to mm -hmm. eat people up. Yeah, 100%. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I say that in a 100% respectful way that it was, you know what I mean? Like me and Gino are really good friends, but Gino was not a guy that would hesitate to try to play mental games to win a match. And I'll say dirtily, I don't mean it like that, but I'm just meaning like he's he's a competitor, man. He, he you know, if that's mm -hmm. something you need to do. Listen, man, I wasn't afraid to intimidate that. Ask Bruno and Luke Duguay about how our first events went at the Nationals. Right, they lane, they slid over onto my lane, two or three lanes over, and I like timed my run so I could run them over at the foul line because the officials said they wouldn't do anything until somebody got hit, and I'm like, okay, I can take care of that. <laughs> right, but that's, you know, those guys were doing it to try and intimidate, and I'm like, that's that's how it was, like you know, getting in mm -hmm. front of people's face, and like you know, that's, you know, you're using every tool that you have in the in your in your toolbox to win. I don't think is wrong. Mm -hmm. I like it. That'll go off. This could be a whole new podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to go through that. That'd yeah. Um, not to cut your session short or anything with that, Scotty, but we have reached the two-hour mark. Um, I think we should have you on several more times to build out this. Yeah, this, 150 episodes down the road, man. I'm going to be freaking dead in like year 2052 or something, the time you well, finally will get me back. It was only 130 no, no. episodes this time. 130. We'll keep it shorter. Hey, like I, 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 I love, I love talking the mental game of it. I really think that it's something that, like, you know, what I mean, you got, we got four of the best guys on the tour event sitting right here in front of me, and your four guys that have been sitting here engaged and interested in something that seems so complex yet so simple yet such a tool that I don't think. Uh, being honest, the four of you guys use it as much as you guys could because I, I just think if you use this the way you could, you guys would be pretty much next to impossible to beat. Right? And that's a pretty hard tool. If I give all four of you guys to have that tool in your repertoire and all four guys have that advantage, man, it's, it, it just, it's, you know, it's the one thing I love about my D line and the play football for me. They'll run through any brick wall that I tell them because I know I'm not going to sell them up the river short. So they believe 100% into whatever I tell them mentally and what they're going to buy into. So, you know, if you tell yourself that you can buy into something like that, it, it gets so simple. Yeah, I, I'm speaking for myself, Scotty. I know for sure I have not done enough um, mental toughness and guided imagery training. I've relied on my, you know, skill and my talent. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the boxing jabs. And that was one of the ones I learned way early on from you, right? And controlling my emotions, but I still haven't done enough training of it. Um, and, and as a guy who still doesn't think that he's in his prime when it comes to, you know, pro league or cash tournaments or national championships, I think that by adding this in, even at a late stage of the game that I potentially am in, you know, mid forties, I still have a lot to go. And by, by adding this into the mix, I'm going to, I'm going to make an actual specific task of doing this more often and training and documenting it and diarying it and working at it, uh, to see where we can get with. So I think that, uh, I, just again, speaking to myself, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of it. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. For sure. Anytime. Just let me know when you need me and I'm glad to come back on. 150 laters. 
podcast number 300, bud. <laughs> 299, Tim. 299. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't let me start doing like five a day or something, then. You got to start <laughs> <laughs> And I hope everybody else. I mean, I, hope, I, I know you guys got is, stuff. You know, I hope the people watching, you know, tell your friends that, did, I mean, not everybody's watching live. There's lots of people to watch us off the side, too. Um, you, you can get something out of this podcast. You can get something out of these sessions and, and learning it and, and going into details. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to undertake here. So it's a, a definitely one to keep high on the list of the vault, but Yeah, it may take one or two times actually listening through it all to actually, you know, take in all the information. So do it. Get it. Well, get our... I'll be honest. I, like, I, if, if we're going to do this again, I, I this thanks db but this kind of came on me a little quick so yeah I didn't for sure a, of, a little time like a, a little more, more time of prepping and getting some of my notes together and you know i can fill in a couple more gaps that i kind of just jumped across i can give a little bit more insight as to how you know people are asking how can i like do, do a session itself i can literally write up i have from the bowling school somewhere you know where we walked and we did it together and we we walked through the session we did a jack nicholas one about you know seeing the golf ball going through the air and then landing on the green and checking up and bouncing back and just some of those things about the cues that you want to incorporate so i have some of those tools that i can help you know make it more definitive for people but i i just you know, it does, again, I'd, I'd love to come back and try to give some more insight onto that because it's the kind of thing, the more, you know, the more you get to have a brouhaha about it, the more stuff that comes out about it because, you know, one question from somebody is probably the same question that multiple people have. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of where, like, we're 149 into this podcast. Um, the podcast has been developing and growing and we're bringing in new ideas and, I think this is something that definitely that the sport needs and you have provided a wealth of knowledge even just in this hour and a half that you've been on so to have you on again and it won't be 150 episodes it'll be a lot sooner than that to build out this this whole idea and hopefully we help a lot of players and maybe not even bowlers will watch this right yeah yep you bet sounds good all righty well, with that all being said, Scott, thanks again for coming on. Thank and, you. Uh, thanks, Scotty. No problem. Yeah. Anytime, guys. We'll Appreciate see, it. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep, yep. A week and a half? Next yep, week. Yep. week and a half. Holy cow. It's eight days away. It's quick, eh? <laughs> well, yep. we're all going besides Tim, just so you know. So. What a, a loser. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a I'm a maybe now. There's now we can party because he's not yeah, coming. There's some there's some yeah. commitments coming up that uh, for the kids and first band concerts and first cheerleading you know competition, first this oh, I'm like oh man life so, getting in the way again yeah hey? there's some better so might be some more choices later in the season that I'm gonna have to I I'm going to so this one might be on the so we'll see. We'll see. we'll see. I know. I know. Sorry, Scotty. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you guys all next week for uh, 150. Maybe we'll have something yeah. special planned. So, yeah. I guess. Maybe. Wesley, yeah. Wesley will be there I, I for say, me. I say we bring yeah. back mean tweets. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. Everybody have a good week. All right. Take see care. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.